Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. I'm Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Marlia Campbell, the new sports anchor and reporter for KCTV5 in Kansas City. She is at the Big 12 tournament, and uh, we will get her insights on the uh, Big 12, as well as a uh, look at uh, the tournament hopes and uh, the bracketology for those Big 12 tournament teams. We'll also talk a little Kansas City Chiefs with uh, Marlea when she joins us coming up later on. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Uh, we'll have our top fullery story of the week as well. All that more coming up on today's show. We are back after a week off, but uh, it is uh, no better time than the present to be back here with you as uh, March is here, March Madness just around the corner, championship week. Uh, Thomas Bridges is here with me. I'm fresh off a trip to, to Vegas where, Tom, I would say this, I, I took on the March Madness mentality, survive in advance. That's the only way to get out of Vegas, right? I mean, pretty much, yeah. I mean, sounds like you did a lot of surviving. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did. Um, great time in Vegas. Uh, nice uh, weekend at the at the racetrack as well. Uh, William Byron got the win out there and Good to see uh, Dominic and the boys and certainly enjoyed ourselves uh, there in Vegas and uh, now uh, back in action this week. I, I, I got to say, Tom, um, the the degenerate moment I had, I don't, I don't even know if I told you about this. Um, maybe it was a sign that it was time to go home. And, and you know about some of the activities I did in Vegas uh, that don't need to be mentioned on this show. Um, but, but I'll say that the degenerate moment in me was – when I bet 40 bucks on a XFL game of a first half line involving the Seattle Sea Dragons and the Vegas Vipers and the Sea Dragons could not cover a first half line and cost me 40 bucks. That was, uh, that was the t moment where I'm like, all right, this, this, this is probably enough Vegas right now. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I don't know many people betting on the XFL. So in the first half of an XFL game, yeah, that's bold. That's you. You call it bold. I call it dumb. Uh, looking back at it, uh, hindsight being twenty twenty. But nonetheless, uh, Tom, uh, what what an interesting time here uh, with uh, March Madness just around the corner. Brackets going to be revealed on Sunday. Um, before we dive in and get to our Big Twelve breakdown, which will start a little bit earlier than we normally do, Tom. Um, just give me your, your thoughts first off, you know, as, as we head into to March and the big dance and the, the next few weeks of the year. I mean, there, there, there's just truly nothing like what we're, uh, we're about to experience in Champ Week here. For as much talk as we give the, the three weeks of March Madness, Champ Week is, is the uh, perfect appetite to lead us into uh, next week here. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and then you got the, you know, I love this too. Um, and I'm not drinking right now, but I love I love how March Madness kind of coincides with St. Patrick's Day weekend. Um, it's it's one of the greatest times of the year. Um, you know, even before then, I, I watch games online at work. Um, you know, last year gave us some pretty good ones. I, I remember I was at work watching uh, your Tulsa Oral Roberts eagles upset the ohio state buckeyes that was two years ago now yeah was it 
Yeah, it wasn't last year. It was the year before. Yeah. Was it? Yes. No. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm remiss then. Anyway, that's a good memory. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. It would have been. Um, but any of the day, you know, the not the day one, but I guess you call it the first weekend upsets, anything that's going to bust your bracket or, you know, bragging rights if you called it, um, even if it's sheer luck, uh, you know, this is that's the time you, you see what what it's all about. You know what I mean? It's all anytime that you see, even if your bracket does get busted, you still have to be happy for that cinder of want to be Cinderella team. Um, and, and to see that, and you know, obviously, however many years ago, 2020, um, you know, didn't really get to experience that. And I think the following the last two years, Jones is has been more special and not only for the people that are actually in attendance for that the fans that are going to these games but just on tv well i mean we got robbed and i, I know you feel a certain way about that 2020 ku team not having a chance to potentially win that title um but now that we have that it's if it's oh it's I don't, it's it's different, man. It's different. Um, you know, we take a lot of things for granted, and uh, that year without March Madness was uh, a sad and lonely one. And right. these last two given us a lot. Even right. last year's national championship grant game, I thought was one for the record books. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, Tom. You know, last year was the first normal tournament we had since 2019 okay um a full capacity not having to wear those stupid masks on our faces and worrying about vaccines and all that i mean last year was unique and you know ultimately kansas got it done and and everything but i, I gotta tell you you know tom uh just the enjoyment of college basketball maybe uh, maybe the games are more entertaining than they, they've been, or maybe I'm just more invested. But I got to tell you, Tom, I don't know about you, but, you know, I haven't covered college basketball full time since I was living in Lawrence, uh, you know, or, or that was my day job. Uh, that would have been, you know, what, you know, 2020 uh, was the last time, I, you know, 2019, 2020 season. So that Kansas team you're, you were talking about there that, that got ripped off by uh, by Corona. Uh, that was the last time I covered college basketball full-time. But I think now, Tom, I probably watch more college basketball now than I did back then because I, I'm I'm more intrigued. I'm more interested. And I don't even have to watch my team. I watch as many Big 12 games as I can, as many of the top 25 games. I mean, the sport of college basketball for me right now, at least personally, I'm enjoying more than the NBA. All – I'll dive in and watch as much college basketball as I, I possibly can, especially these next few weeks. Because the game right now, I feel like, is is at a, a good place. It's a good product right now. Oh, it's a great product, and you know we we've talked about the NBA a lot, and over the past couple of years, and we've also talked a lot of Big Twelve basketball as well. And kind of one thing that's remained consistent, at least in our opinions on this show. Um, over the past couple of years is the Big 12 is the best basketball league in the nation, bar none, and there's nobody close. Yeah. And 
it, it really started probably where we kind of started recognizing it. I feel like on this show, probably back in 2018, where we were like, you know what, Big 12's kind of some, Big 12's kind of swinging dick, you know, and it and, and it didn't really get the respect. It did, right? But we were talking about it. Like, we demand the respect. This is the hardest league to play in. We beat each other up. When I say we, our endearment to the Big 12 as fans of those specific colleges. But we beat each other up every night. The hardest, hardest conference to play in, bar none. If, if the sixth shittiest team in the Big 12 was to play in the next best conference, they would finish in the top three, you know, like we've, we have been in, in anybody that says anything different. I don't, you know, if you're a hater of the big 12, if you're, you know, if, if you're still jacking off at night to, to uh, dreams of the big East, <laughs> then you come out in Jones and go back in time and look at those podcasts. And me and Jones have been talking about it. Five years ago, we were saying this league doesn't get enough respect. Oh, yeah. This is a bloodbath every single night. And we've said that, Jones, how long? We've said that forever. Right. And now and we're, it wasn't now, always that way. It happened over time. You know what I mean? Right. And, and KU was running the shit for a long time, but then the parody got better. You well, know, the- and, and did, did Kansas hit a little bit of a wall? They did a little bit. Uh, right, but everyone else, I think, was inspired of sorts that said, you know, hey, Kansas is this good. They've won 14 straight conference titles. We got to get better. If we want to, we can compete on a national stage. We can compete with Kansas and the likes, but we got to get to be able to compete with Kansas first. Kansas then, you know, uh, after the, you know, NCA stuff, you know, they did find a way to get through things and didn't take that much of a drop off and bounce right back up and everyone else around them got better. And it's been tremendous. I, mean, I, I look at this year, Tom, um, I, I would say, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think that this year, the 2022 through 2023 big 12 campaign, this is the greatest year ever of big 12 basketball bar and none. Kansas, well, Kansas state, Baylor, Texas, and Iowa State, all five, have realistic shots to make the Final Four. Oh, absolutely. And and Jones, to, to, you know, get more even on your point, you know, when we started, when we kind of first came out and we're like, yo, Big 12 B-ball is not to be messed with. This is a real deal. We were getting in it. And, the, you know, when we started – talking about how good big this conference is were we a little premature maybe we do we have some bias yes we do i don't care who says it i know you're you're known for saying i don't have bias we do have a little bit of bias it's it's human nature but but when we started saying it you know think about the coaches that were coming on the scene okay texas did have shaka smart when we when we started talking when we started, um, I don't know, running our own. In, in a way, we did this too. We ran our own, um, I don't know, platform or candidacy for saying the Big Twelve deserves respect and and it should get more national attention than what it does. 
Yeah. And so we said it before it was popular. We were the, we said it before. We're ahead of the curve. We said it before it was cool. But when we go back and look at, you know, we had some really good takes on this show. We've also had some horrible takes on this show. (laughs) But what I can say that we have not been wrong about in the last five years is the Big 12 was coming on the scene. You look at where they're like, let's see where are they now, okay? Where are they at now? Let's play the coaches' realm of things. Okay, Boyden comes on the scene, Long Kruger retires or dips out, and they get Porter Mosier. Okay, that's just in the state of Oklahoma. And neither of those two teams have, like, super impressed. But you look at what K-State's done in the last five years, they – even with you know, we we love and and we love to hate Bruce Pearl on this show. Bruce Weber. Um, but even what he was able to do to get that K State team, however many years ago, to the Elite Eight, that's 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 one example. And for and then Jerome Hang to just show up this year, year one, and then do put, the damn thing, put together a whole new roster. That's one of the most impressive coaching jobs I've ever seen. Yeah, Tang is like I said. I, I want to double down on that too and say Tang has done great. And then you take, okay, Iowa State, what, uh, the year before, shit year, horrible year, coming in, making noise last year. This year, uh, maybe not as much, but still still would be a great team in another conference. Okay, Scott Drew, what Scott Drew has been able to do at Baylor, that's not, um, that's not a hot take, obviously, that's on paper. Obviously, KU does KU things. We know that. Um, you know, when we started this argument for Big 12 being this great, Chris Beard was still in good graces at Tech. <laughs> and then obviously moved to Austin and decided to beat his wife up. Um, but still, we talked about this, I don't know, a month ago um, when we were taught, when we were coming down the final stretch of the stretch of February, we, we were talking about. Listen, look at Texas. Look at Texas. They get Chris Beard. They get Chris Beard. Chris Beard acts an ass, does whatever Chris Beard does, dips out, leaves. This Texas team, despite all of the hoopla, has still been a top team. Oh, yeah. I mean, Rodney Terry has done an incredible job to hold that thing together. Uh, Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's I, I think honestly, Tom, they are probably just as good as they would have been had Chris Beard still stuck around. I mean, so and, and you want to talk about maybe the down tier teams like okay, TCU maybe not as hot, Tech not as hot, maybe after the Chris Beard stuff, obviously. Well, then and, Tech had their own stuff go on uh, with Mark Adams, and now he's suspended, and they got their own issues right now. Right. I mean, you're always going to have the down teams, but I mean, the Tech, bad. Iowa State's and the TCUs, they're still going to compete, right? And and now you want to add in these newer teams, maybe not BYU, but Cincinnati is could be a player, obviously maybe not UCF. But Houston, Houston is going to be in, in a phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, come on. Um, like, it, it, it's like when we talk about – me and you before the show talked about when we're recording the show, Oklahoma State is playing OU in the Big 12 
tournament right now. And you mentioned Joe Lenardi said if OSU is to win, they're one of the last four in, they'll get in. They don't have the best record by looking at it on paper. But when you consider this conference, OSU, even OU, some of these six, seven, five, six, seven teams in the Big 12 would be three, four in another conference. Like it's 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 a battle every day. It's 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 incredible what has happened and it's only progressed. And the coaching has got really good. They're like, you know, granted Chris Beard, hate to say it, he was a great coach. And he, he canceled himself by his own actions. Right. Um, but you know, obviously Bill Self's gonna build self OG. He's gonna he's gonna lead that. But we mentioned Tang already for K-State. They are having a great year um, by K-State measures. And, and you know K-State's going to feel really good about what they've been able to do this year. Minus, you know, coming off, I don't know, the love-hate relationship they had with Bruce Pearl. Um, I, I mean, every team, you know, West Virginia, okay, you get the Huggy Bear. They've had their great moments, too, over these last five years. What we try to say on the show, and we don't get a lot of I, – I wish we would get more hate. I do. I love hate. I love hate when we know we're right and, and the facts back us up. Right. Joan, we've had, like I said, we've had a lot of bad takes. But one thing that I don't think percentage-wise in terms of hot and bad takes that anybody can just – knock us on we've been right about the big 12 for fucking five years oh, we yeah. knew it yeah well and, we, and knew it. we did we, we were this on is a badass league yeah i mean i'm not trying to sound too much like gary danielson is with sec football but i feel like even it's with more god damn it even with a losing record and everything i feel like there's somewhat of a case for oklahoma as a tournament team i mean like you put on more. Who is the worst team in the Big Twelve? Bar and none, no question. But this Oklahoma. OU team beat the dog shit, dog walked Alabama. Oh, you would probably the finish murders. before the Alabama murders. Hey, yeah, yeah, before Brandon Miller and everything and Darius Miles. Yeah, I dog walked him. No, just dog walked that. I ass. think. Let me finish what I'm saying here. I think Oklahoma would be a top probably five or six team in the SEC. And SEC is a good league, too. I think they would finish top half in the Big East and probably top oh, four you in the Pac-12, probably top six in the Big Ten. I mean, they're a tournament team in any other power conference. 100%. And, and you know, with this strength, and, and granted before, you know, you, you know what? What's crazy to me, like Jones, when we were growing up, I know our age difference is like, I don't know, three and a half years or something like that, about three and a half years. But it still doesn't, you still watched even when you were, you know, growing up in Ben, Oregon or wherever and, and did that, you were still paying attention. I paid attention. Um, and I used to be an OU fan. Look at the OU teams like Kevin Bookout, Taj Gray. Like, look at those teams. Look at the teams with OSU with Byron Eton. James on Curry. Look at those classic KU teams, obviously. The one, you know, the Memphis championship team. Um, look at that. 
obviously TCU wasn't there. West Virginia wasn't there. West Virginia's had some great years. Um, Iowa State's come on. Um, Baylor has been, in terms of basketball, more known about like Kim Mulkey and Baylor. But that basketball team was that men's basketball team with Scott Drew has come a long freaking way and they've come yeah. quick. They've yeah. come quick. Yeah. And, uh, and it popped on the scene and they've done what they needed to do. And it's been super impressive. And yeah. I don't know, Jones, how long until when we talk about parity, how long until conference realignment? Or do you think, in terms of March Madness, in terms of strength of schedule, and in and, and being in a tough conference like the Big 12 will potentially affect March Madness in terms of how we get in. Well, I think what eventually is going to happen is that the tournament is going to expand to 96 teams. Cool. Uh, wow. I think that's the next step. And then the Big 12 is probably going to be the biggest beneficiary from that because you could literally, of the, you know, the future Big 12 members – you could be talking about realistically ten teams in the tournament every year. So, uh, do you give the top thirty-six then like a buy? Or yeah, the top something like that. Four? I don't know the exact format, but yeah, I yeah. mean something to that extent. And um, you because know, the ninety would be a big by a, uh, ninety-six would increase it by a third. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's but what's going to happen. Next. There's just too much money sitting out there for them not to eventually expand it. I think the tournament's perfect. Nobody yet. watches. Nobody watches the NIT, right? Nobody does. No, it's called not in the tournament. Uh, enjoy it, Syracuse. Um, but <laughs> shots you know, fired. Shots fired. Yes. Uh, with that said, though, you know it's. I think that's the eventual path, and that's only going to help the Big Twelve, and it makes more money coming in, and all of that. And you mentioned the realignment front. We've Gonzaga, baby. We have focused a lot on the Pac-12 element, and I think the Pac-12 bubble is about to burst here soon. Um, we're going to talk to Coach Bo more in depth uh, and get his perspective on all that. But one thing in Colorado, right? about the realignment stuff is not just the whole Pac-12 idea, but the basketball realm of things. One possibility that's been brought up is that the Big 12, the Brett Yormark, the Big 12's new commissioner, would like to, in the next TV contract, sell the basketball contract separate from the football deal. And, you know, maybe upwards, I guess they've had some media people tell them if they did a basketball-specific contract, they could get $250 million out of it. Uh, and they still get all their football money as well but they would need to add some more basketball schools to do that. So you go get Gonzaga, you go get UConn, maybe Georgetown or St. John's, uh, somewhere to that effect. And, you know, I love the Big 12 championship game in Kansas City, but all of a sudden you do that, you open up the door, Villanova, I forgot to mention too, then you open up the possibility of, oh, well, maybe we'll do the Big 12 championship in New York now or <laughs> – Maybe if we're going to add West Coast schools, maybe we go to Vegas. Maybe we go to Seattle. If you're going to be a national conference like Brett Yormark wants, um, then you probably have to reach beyond Kansas City, too. I'm willing to sacrifice Kansas City uh, not having the conference tournament every year if we're going to go that route of bigger expansion and and do that thing. Look, I mean, realistically, where would you have it? Okay, sure, New York would be East Coast, Vegas would be more I think West. it would be a rotation. 
I think that would be the end game. You like you would have some years in Kansas City, some years in Dallas, some years in New York. Yeah, I think that's the end goal is to have a road, you know, a, a rotated bid where potentially you could get more money too because you got all these places that want to have. Yeah, and then and you know you could even say Oklahoma City. I only think that in terms of basketball, like Paycom is I. I and I know it's different now, and I, I refuse to call it anything different than the Sprint Center. What is it now? Verizon? Now the uh, T-Mobile Center. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, you call Oklahoma City the Paycom Center. You, you don't call it the Ford Center or the Peak. No, you don't call it the Ford Center, but it's still Chesapeake. It's, it's um, still the Peak. Yes. It's still it's still the Peak. Uh, Paycom's an HR nightmare. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's like calling Albertson's – food pyramid or right. now pyramid homeland but um at that point so you have i mean in in you're you're absolutely right and here's here's a crazy here's a crazy fucking idea where did brett yormack come from where did he it is a rhetorical question for those of you follow it brett yormack came from new york city All right worked with the nets and, he, and jay-z he came from the fucking barclays center Put the Big 12 championship in the Barclays Center one year and see what happens. The right. the, the money, Brett Yormack, we talked about it even two a month ago. Brett Yormack is a headhunter. He's a headhunter. He's a money guy. Like, I'll say this, he, He's killing it. Bob Bosley is just rolling over in his soon-to-be grave at what Brett Yormack has been able to do in a very short time. So I'll put this. Uh, Tom and I and, and most Big 12 fans, I think, are all on the same page that we want this league to go get some of those Pac-12 schools. And I am of the belief, I think it's going to happen. I think they're going to get the four-corner schools. And maybe we'll Colorado and Washington. Sure. Although Oregon and Washington may be a reach, I think they're going to get the four-corner schools at some point. With that said, even if that doesn't happen, I still feel really good about the future of this league because the ACC is in bad shape and – there's going to be some teams that probably want to leave the ACC in the future. And then Brett Yormark's grand scheme idea of going to get some basketball schools and creating a new TV contract for them, which doesn't take away money from the football schools. That was my big concern was when we were talking about the Gonzagas and some of these others, like, look, I don't want money to be taken away from football to pay these basketball schools. But if you can get a TV contract for basketball that's $250 million separate from the football deal, then, yeah, we, we can make that work. Then, yeah, we can be a national conference and add in those other powerhouse programs. Uh, and, I mean, you think Big Monday's a big deal in this league and Big Monday's, big Monday's badass. What if you could do doubleheaders on Monday nights, you know, big, bigger Monday, or primetime games on Saturday windows or – Maybe you know, we know Fox is going to be involved in the next TV deal. There's been talk of, you know, Turner is uh, likely not going to have the same NBA package they have now. They're looking to step back a bit. They need to fill in those gaps. I mean, what if you're talking about, you know, Thursday nights on TNT or something, Big 12 hoops, you know, oh, I mean, the possibilities are endless here if you build this national conference that your, your Mark's envisioning here. I, I'm. I trust Brett Yormark that he's going to do the best he can for this league, and that's not something I don't think I've ever been able to say about a Big 12 commissioner. 
Well, no, definitely not Bob Bowlesby. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, look, we appreciate him even if the moves are bold because he's he's more willing to do something. And, and, and obviously living in this area, we would, you know, we're hoping, you know, the money's made on Saturdays, right? Money's made on Saturdays. That's where the money's at. I get that. But he's taking what he's been giving. He's, he's taking the hand that's dealt and saying, hey, we can make this money in basketball. We're doing very well here. He's going after Gonzaga. You mentioned even Villanova, Georgetown, potentially. You UConn, can do St. John's, yeah. Yeah, like like incredible, incredible, right? And it's, it's only going to, like, make the league even more so competitive. Like, you talk about the coaches, and, and I hate to say it, you get those type of teams, you get the Novas, you get the Gonzagas, is is and I love Mike Boyden. I love the culture he's brought to Oklahoma State. Is Mike Boyden gonna fly? No, you gotta you gotta start swinging dick. Like you get these other teams in here. Like I love Mike Boyden. I love what he's been able to do, but he's on the hot seat. And 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 so far with with OU even, obviously they're moving to SEC, but even even those coaches that would do good normally in another conference you start up in the ante and and it's it's going to be a whole new ball game in terms of basketball but jones you you mentioned too you mentioned like what this could mean in terms of a basketball conference where we see sec is the premier football conference there's not when we think of or when everybody thinks of is like a collective U.S. whole thinks of a football conference, they say SEC. I think your Mac is saying there's not a 100% basketball school that's that that claims the conference like the SEC does in football, and he's taking advantage of like, well, SEC has a hold on the football things, and we'd love to be good at football too, sure. But we also have the upper hand right now at basketball. Let's go ahead and capitalize on that. The money is going to be there. It's going to be very lucrative. And right now, in terms of Big 12 as a whole, when I say we, we have the upper hand. Go for it. Yeah. And this is this is not something that that Bob Bosley would have ever considered. He was never no, he was very, he was very content. He was just trying to hold things together. And, I mean, even this week at the Big 12 Championship, uh, I know I'm not in Kansas City this week and Thomas isn't either, but just hearing the reports of what's going on this week, um, you know, they're they're miking up all the coaches and in the huddles and letting people hear what's going on. ESPN is doing an on-site studio show and everything and doing a bunch of inside access um, you know, they, they're, they're taking things up a notch. I mean, one, one thing that I always liked about covering the big 12 tournament was that all the media got floor seats. It's very limited. What media is getting floor seats. They're moving everybody back up to the press box. And if I was there, I probably wouldn't like that, but I can't blame them. I mean, that's money. You're just leaving on the table. They sold those back to big 12 fans. So well, about this too, think about sponsorship. Look at the sponsor. You're watching the game as we're recording this, I imagine, now. what What's in the middle of the court? Phillips 66. Where's Phillips 66 based out of? 
Warnellsville, Oklahoma. Used to be. Headquarters used to be in Bartlesville. Where's the headquarters now? Uh, where is it now? Houston, Texas. Houston, okay. Texas. Who does the Big 12 just get next year in basketball? Oh, that would, that would be Houston, yes. They get Houston. Phillips 66 has money to fuck. Yeah. The Big 12 championship with Houston being as good as they are in basketball. It will be at the uh it'll be at the Toyota Center before we know it. <laughs> that that's the next location, I guarantee it. Phillips 66 has and this, I'm not I'm preaching the choir. Phillips 66 has been a long time partner of the Big 12 too. Them and Dr. P- Crabble both. P66 got fuck you money. They I, and I this is me working for them full time before I've seen what they give even to Houston employees to go up to Kansas City to watch. You don't think they're going to make that at the Toyota Center? I've seen what they give for tickets to the Rockets games at the Toyota Center courtside seats. Well, and and, and Dr Pepper being. A huge partner too. Don't you think that he's going to want that in Texas? I mean, I mean, come on. Like you know, we we did mention, and it's funny that we just watched this, and this is just a just a logical thought process. But okay, sure, Vegas is cool. New York City's cool. Let's talk about Houston for a second in terms of like, Phillips sixty six has been all over the Big Twelve. And not even in basketball. Look at the Bedlam Trophy. I know OU's going away, but what 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 logos on the freaking Bedlam Trophy? Oh, yeah. It's freaking Phillips sixty six. Oh, we, we we see those commercials all the time. The Blue Whale and Katusa. I mean, Phillips sixty six has got to be frothing at the mouth to yeah. get this. You ever been to that Katusa Blue Whale? By the way, I have, I have, I have been. Like that's a that's a must. I've never slammed in that pond. No, well, no, I hope not. That's a that's a immediate disease. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a that's a brain amoeba infection waiting to happen. Um, but yeah, like there's so much money, Jones. It's crazy. Like, it, it, there's so much money to be made, and, and and you know what? A lot of people, I feel like, at the beginning when Brett Yormack took over, they thought he would be one of those guys to be like, yeah, we support you, and then kind of sell ship for money. He's been fully on board from what I can see right now. Yeah. Yeah. He like I, I, I thought he might be one of those guys at the first, or a lot of people thought he might be one of those guys that sell out to make other people happy for the money for a paycheck. And, and he's almost taken getting the Big 12 where they should have been almost as a vendetta. Yeah, like he didn't. He didn't. He didn't have to go after Gonzaga. He doesn't have to go after Villanova, Georgetown. He doesn't have to do any of that. You know, we're we're happy right now that we're not on the like in Big Twelve fans. We're happy that we're on the the right side of history in terms of how much the shit Pac twelve was talking about. Big Twelve is not going to be non-existent, and now Karma ended up getting them and. Hell, we'd be happy, I think, with Colorado at this point. But if we can get Arizona, Arizona State, and and Colorado, I know Utah has been kind of taking it on the chin here lately in terms of thinking they were hot shit and not getting really any invites. But if we can get the four corner schools 
or make something like that happen. We don't need Oregon. We don't need Washington. Um, that that product alone, and you you want to talk about basketball schools? Look at look at Arizona basketball school. Uh, you know Utah has produced some good cats. Um, ah, Colorado obviously now has Deion Sanders. I mean the money is there, and 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 your Max over here just head hunting. I've I've yeah. never seen I, I someone think... more. You know, it's interesting with Colorado you mentioned. I'll I'll say this real quick, and then we'll we'll get to some predictions for this Big 12 tournament here. But on the realignment front with Colorado, um, of those four corner schools, it's very interesting because Colorado, you know, when they left and for those first few years had a snobbish mentality. Like they wanted to be – they were too good for the the Big 12, that they felt more with the coastal elites with the – you know, those those types out in the Pac-12. And now Probably. we heard about this emergency meeting that Colorado had and reports of the Big 12 and heavy talks with uh, with Colorado and, um, you know, everything that's going on. It, it sounds like, you know, in the Dion thing as well, I think it's a big part of it, of Colorado wanting to, you know, think forward with their football program and all. I think Colorado and probably Arizona are the first two dominoes to fall. And I, I don't see either – I don't see them going alone at it. I could see those two saying we're going and reaching out for themselves and then Utah and Arizona State uh, to follow after that or maybe all four together. I don't see anybody stepping out on their own, but it sounds like with Colorado's new – administration and people involved the new renewed emphasis on wanting to get this football program in the right shape um it, it is fascinating you know you talk about old friends coming together you know enemies and everything i i, I think it's colorado that uh is the one that's kind of looking out for themselves right now and will probably be the first domino to fall here i mean yeah their football program is not very good their basketball program is not very good they are in a pretty good market. Like, okay, Utah is not technically in Salt Lake City. You already have BYU there. Arizona, Arizona State. When you talk about market reach, okay, they have the Suns not too far away. Like just in market reach, I, I would I would I would be more prone to say Boulder. Um, with Colorado would be a better fit or almost obviously an immediate fit when we talk about history with the Big 12 now and not to mention Deion Sanders is a big pull um, than them. And I I think as soon as Colorado falls, um, which I I would expect in the next three weeks, I guarantee it, I I would put money on – I would put $100 on Colorado – announces the initial move or some proceeding. I think proceeding. they're going to wait till the NCAA tournament ends. I don't think they want to distract from the tournament. Uh, well, so, May 1st, Colorado's back in the Big 12. Okay. I guess that would be – that'd be awesome. Um, what we've then been told is – my wrong, John, from, from what, what we've been seen, told is that the Pac-12, they're the leaders that be have given those programs – uh, have given the the programs have given the Pac-12 uh, and George Kleikoff, their commissioner, till the end of this month to have a contract 
TV contract ready in hand. Um, and then that's their decision. And but if they don't have that TV so contract far. lined up and ready to go, then there's going to be people walking out the door. And there is true. no momentum right now that a TV deal is going to be done by them. Yeah, exactly. They said Apple. I mean, they were jacking their cock real hard on Apple. Apple, Apple, Apple. And then it came out. Apple's like, yeah, you know what? No, we're cool. We're good. Um, then, and then, then there was backlash. Like, really? You want us to be on a streaming service and have to pay another 100 bucks just to watch our games and not find you at bars? That doesn't sound pleasant. Which, you know, at, at the same time, at least my next point, and especially Utah, and this is to be honest, this is no insider bullshit for me, obviously. Like, if you get insider stuff from me, then I would probably I, – I, I would – if I get insider information, that's probably really telling you something. Uh, if Jones gets insider information, then maybe not as surprising. But if I find a source, then I don't think I could keep quiet enough about it for that long. But um, that being said, just – off what I observe from Twitter is Utah weirdly being like uh holier than thou. Oh, they no are they are the, the uh, of those four, they are the ones we would we would hate the most because they're they're being the most pretentious. Yes. Yeah, and it's like bitch. And <laughs> like, like I don't do think that they want work? I think their fans are of the mindset of we, we don't want to go where BYU just went. Uh, Which I get that, but damn it, I'd love to have the Holy War. I would I, I, I get that. But at this at that same time, they don't have a choice. And I get that denial's the first stage. I get that. They also have to understand that, hey, this is probably the best move. But, like, so many people on Twitter, all these Utah fans are just trashing the big 12 and like, no, we don't need you and we'll yeah. be fine. Like, um, like you gotta, you gotta see the signs. Like Utah is being very, like you said, very pretentious. And it's like, all right guys, come on. Like, like you're not, it's, you're not a blue blood. Like you don't get to be this bougie over this. Right. But, and, and, and at the end of the day, Football, basketball, sports combined, being so bougie about it. Yeah. And, and not even just the fans, even the administration, like, just hasn't been very cooperative or giving right, right, right. Tom, uh, we'll get to the uh, the picks here for the Big 12 tournament here in just a second. But as we're recording this, breaking news coming in, not a surprise. I don't know if you saw this update or not. Mark Adams has stepped down as Texas Tech's head coach. Um, he had the comments, you know, quoting a Bible verse last week and, you know, there was some racial connotations with it and other things that came out a disappointing year for the Red Raiders. He's gone. Obviously people are going to bring up the Chris Beard possibility. I think that there there's even with him being out of Texas and everything, I think there's too much bad blood. I don't see Chris Beard coming back to Lubbock. Um, with that said, Tech is a much better job than I think it was even five years ago because we've seen them, you know, Mark Adams, I know this year was down, but last year he held the thing together with, uh, you know, after Chris Beard. We've seen, and even before that, 
you know, Tubby Smith did a good job too. They've won with multiple coaches now. Bob Knight, you know, did a good job there. That's a that can be a top twenty-five program. They bit, they were in the national title game a couple of years ago. They have a very good AD and Kirby Hocutt. Um, you know, Texas Tech's a good job in a good league. Uh, they should contend here in the new Big Twelve as well. Um, Grant McCaslin uh, is who I'm hearing sounds like the favorite. He's the head coach at North Texas. Done a phenomenal job with North Texas the last few years. With that said, Tom, um, what a uh, what a bizarre ending uh, for Mark Adams' tenure there at uh, Texas Tech, and now a uh, a pretty decent job opening that uh, a couple of years ago we wouldn't have said the same thing about. No, and and you know for Mark Adams, um, I don't know if he, I wouldn't even say overstate his welcome with with comments made or, you know, what he wanted to do too soon for him to kind of act like he wasn't replaceable or act like he wasn't, um, you know, gifted the job, not gifted the job, but to be that person to, to, to create controversy after so much controversy happened with, with Chris Beard just immediately leaving for Texas. And then, you know, Lubbock is decent a ways away from, Austin, but the pain is still felt, and I know Tech fans feel somewhat vindicated by Chris Beard uh, losing his job for what he's done with his wife and every, everything like that. But um, Tech, you mentioned it. Um, you know, you get one player kind of like a Jared Culver to come through and uh, build that program up and – Tech could be right back with the right coach. So, um, and as good as the Big Twelve is, I I I give them two or three years before they're back to the top four. Yeah, uh, it's very interesting. I, I think McCaslin would be a good hire potentially for uh, Texas Tech, but they'll probably be able to get a better coach than what they've had uh, in years past with some of these openings. But uh, very intriguing to see what the uh, Red Raiders do, a weird ending to Mark Adams' tenure there with Texas Tech, uh, but let's see what he does. Uh, with that said, Tom, we spent so much time talking realignment and these changes within the league and about the future and about the Big 12 tourney and everything. We still got Big 12 basketball to play here uh, this weekend. Um, and, you know, I'll put it this way, Tom, you can't suffer a bad loss in this league, right? I, I don't expect anyone – in the Big 12 tournament this weekend for their seeding to go down. But I do see opportunities move up. K-State could solidify themselves potentially as a two seed if they have a good run this weekend. KU, I think, is going to be a one seed no matter what happens this week. It's a matter of if they get the Midwest Regional or not. Um, you know, I look at Baylor, Texas. They can, you know, move up to the two line here potentially. Iowa State and TCU can move up a bit as well. I mean, um, there's a there's a lot at stake for these teams here, not only for bragging rights to win the Big 12 tournament title and head into the big dance with momentum, but to really move up that seed line here. Uh, who? Let, let me ask you this before we give prediction here. Who's got the most to gain, you think, this weekend in Kansas City? I mean, as we're watching this, um, I, I think teams on the bubble – um, have to be kind of included. We've mentioned OU in another conference could 
um, make their way into maybe the last four, or obviously if they win it, I don't think they will. But if they were to win and beat Oklahoma State tonight, the day the night we're recording, they could make some noise. We've also mentioned Oklahoma State could make some noise in terms of securing their place with at least a win tonight in that last four scenario. Any other team, you know, is is in as far as like improved seating, I don't think you're gonna do too much. I think as long as KU doesn't fumble the bag in their first game, I, I you would assume that they would be a top seed. Um, I, I don't think we've, we've seen in years past where there's more or less to gain in terms of this tournament. But at this point for teams, the, you know, for teams on the outside of the bubble or the last four in have the most a game, which I don't know if you had to pick the teams on the last four in, you would probably say, Oh, you and Oklahoma state. Um, you know, I'll bet some random team like a West Virginia or TCU somehow winning the tournament and, and getting the lock. But I'll bet that really, I don't think there's too much movement, right? Sure. There's not a lot of movement. Like it, and, it, and here's the funny thing too, going back to how long we've talked about um, how this league works and how we thought it works and we've been right. KU doesn't need to win this, and there are pros and cons of actually trying to win the damn thing, right? Yeah, yeah. If if you're Kansas, there's two best outcomes for you this weekend. Having it. Win the whole damn right. thing, go in the tournament with all the momentum, or lose in the first round and have a few extra days off. It's it's not losing in the semis, it's not losing the championship. It's it's either losing early and having time off, or or winning the whole thing, going with momentum. Those are the best two outcomes. What do you think they should do? Oh, I think you you try to win it. You go all in and try to win the whole thing. But and there there's been years we've talked about KU specifically of saying, you know, if if you get down early, and you know you you shit the bed from the field in the first half, and you're down by twelve. Oh, if Randomly. West Virginia's kicking Kansas's ass uh, it on Thursday, <laughs> hang in the towel and say, we'll see you next Thursday. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. But if, if you can if you can somewhat, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, two-step your way into the final and not have to fight a crazy battle and get that momentum – and 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 then you you know we we've talked and in, in specific like I said specifically KU yeah. that's how good they are. um and we talked about this with Baylor too in the past years with Scott Drew and them if you can get there and, and then not have to spend that much energy or the expenditure doesn't cost that much in terms of 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 mental task you know you you fight the stay hot you know, win hot, stay hot mentality, or if, if it's not working out for you, then like you said, take those days off, regroup and uh, reform a plan and be ready to go um, in, in that first weekend. Yeah. I think uh, 
my prediction, Tom, before we uh, move on, bring in Marlia here, I think we have a Sunflower Showdown championship. I think Kansas gets there. They get past uh, Baylor in the semifinals, and they get to the championship. And I think K-State upsets Texas in the semis, and we get KU-K-State in the championship from Kansas City with KU winning it. That's how I see this working out. How about you? I don't think that's a bad pick. Um, I mean, I've said before, I think K-State um, could really have a chance to be a, like one of the more surprising teams in the in the in March. And I wouldn't be shocked. And this is not a hot take at all. If a team like K-State ends up making the Elite Eight or even Final Four. Yeah. You could say that about a handful of teams in the Big 12. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's uh, what's your pick to, to win the Big 12 tournament here? Um, oh, You know, obviously the easy pick is KU. But I will say um, I'll go ahead and take K-State. I'll okay. Go, I'll go Cats. All right. So there you have it. Those are our official picks. Uh, more of the Big 12 tournament, more Leah Campbell. Coach Bo is going to stop by and join us coming up uh, in a bit. We'll talk some more NFL with him and uh, some realignment stuff with Bo. And uh, still got Tom Fullery coming up at the end of the show as well. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Jones Report. Joining us now here on the Jones Report this week. We've been wanting to make this happen for a long time, uh, but whether – was scheduling whatever it may be. Now we can finally check this off the uh, box. Uh, Marlia Campbell joins us, who is now the uh, newest sports anchor and reporter for KCTV5 in Kansas City. Also does work with the KC Sports Network. Also uh, doing some radio in Kansas City as well. A uh, little bit of everything. I, I don't know how she has time for much of a social <laughs> life based on everything that's going on. Marlia Campbell, appreciate you joining us. Uh, and congrats on the uh, new gig. Glad we, we could finally bring you on the show. Thank you. I know. I was thinking that right before we were recording. We've been trying for like maybe years now. We have like commonly yes. opposite schedules. So I'm so glad when you text me. Uh, this is so much fun. Thank you for having me on the show. I've been listening for a long time. So it's cool to be on the show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for your kind words. Of course. Of course. Marlea, uh, I mean, I, I remember your days back in uh, in Topeka and I was at Lawrence uh, briefly while you were in Topeka. And yeah. I mean, uh, now make this move. You you've dabbled in the in the news thing, kind of like I, I was in news for a bit too, and everything. Now going full in sports, I'm sure. I think we probably feel the same way. I mean, news it can be fun at times, but there's there's just something about sports, especially when you're passionate like like you are to to be all invested like like this and go back to sports full time. Imagine you're pretty excited right now. Yeah, yeah, it's my dream move, and you know I'm from here. I grew up watching KCTV five and everything, so it's it's been really kind of a fun full circle moment. But you know, you talk about you and Lawrence being Topeka. It's been so fun seeing like all of our media friends from yes. those early days, like what four or five years ago, and just kind of seeing the different places we've gone and following your career has been so much fun. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm loving Kansas City though. My family is here, my friends are here, and KCTV five is a great station. So yeah, I'm, I'm over the moon. Oh yeah. And uh we mentioned some of the stuff you're doing. Uh you got your own podcasts and doing some radio in Kansas City too. What what all's the other things you're doing uh besides just <laughs> the TV side with KCTV oh, five? Boy. Yeah, yeah. So uh just signed on with the sports team at KCTV five, gosh, yesterday, Monday. Okay. Yeah. So I've been doing that for all of two days. And actually yesterday and today were my days off. So I guess tomorrow is <laughs> kind of my first day. 
but I'm also with Casey Sports Network, who is uh, run by BJ Kizzle, former chief supporter, now oh, yeah. founder and CEO of Casey Sports Network. Amazing guy. And he's been putting together such a cool group of people over at Casey Sports Network. And they do a lot of uh, community outreach stuff. And so that's been a ton of fun. So I have a podcast on um, the Chiefs. It's called Press Coverage. So we kind of like wrap up all the best sound from throughout the week. So you can listen to it on Sundays and feel like you're caught up on the major storylines. And then I have one called Our Stories, which highlights the women in sports of Kansas City, which is so much fun. It's like my dream project. I've been doing a lot of Title IX research in the years. Uh, so that's a fun one. And I'm working on a new project that I don't think we've announced yet, but it's coming up soon. So that's exciting. Uh, and then I'm also doing, yeah, cumulus stations in town. So 101 The Fox, 95.7 and 94.9. I do Chiefs hits for them during the Chiefs season. Uh so yeah, it's been a ton of fun. I'm like having the best time. That's incredible. Uh, certainly excited for you and uh, all these great opportunities. Certainly well deserved. And uh, Marlea, with this being your first time on, uh, for folks that may not know you or may not know your background, tell tell us uh, about where you came from. You mentioned you're a Kansas City native, but uh, yeah. you're 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 quite the athlete in your own right too. Oh, back in the day, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, for folks in Kansas City right now, I. Uh, I went to Shawnee Mission West, so I'm from Lenexa specifically, went to high school in Overland Park, and then uh, took a full ride scholarship to play basketball at the University of Wyoming. So went out west for college, stayed there for four years, uh, got my undergrad in journalism, master's in communication. And while I was there, I interned uh, actually back in town with um, Sports Radio 810 WHB yeah. with Stephen St. John and Nate Katie and Jake Terez. Uh, those guys gave me my first shot along with Casey War. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my first dip into the media world and never thought I'd go into television. Actually had like no plans to. I wanted to go into sports reporting since I was a kid, but I always thought I'd write. And uh, I applied to WIBW. You know, I'm out of college. I just had a shoulder surgery. I'm living at home. I have nothing lined up. So I applied to WIBW because they posted a um, part-time producer job on the weekends. And I was like, okay, well that, you know, dips my toe back into the media sphere and you know it's I knew this on the weekends and maybe find a nine-to-five like Monday through Friday and my news director John James um took a huge chance on me and gave me an on full-time on-air reporting job uh I didn't have a reel which I know it's like for people not in the industry it's like a highlight tape of like your all of your on-air work right I didn't have one of those and uh so John watched my like post-game press conferences from college basketball and was like, okay, well, she can, you know, talk on camera. And, you know, I've done like a fair share of my like journalism, you know, internships and studies and stuff. So I uh, got the job in Topeka as a reporter, was promoted to weekend anchor soon after that. And then eventually sports director, did that for two and a half years. And then hopped over to Kansas City initially in a news role and did that about since June. So was that nine months? Bad yeah. math. Yep. And then took the sports job this week. So yeah, that's the nutshell. The Spartan yeah. version. <laughs> so, so, so let me ask you this. Uh, Wyoming, uh, you played college basketball. Um, imagine you you were probably a big Josh Allen fan too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. there in, in Wyoming. Uh, what, what's the hoop game at? You, you still uh, hold your own, uh, you know, playing pickup up time to time? Away? Yeah. It's funny because people ask me that all the time and no, in short, no. I I think I I think I touched a basketball man like four or five times since I got done, and like 
four of those were like driveway horse with my dad. I had a couple shoulder surgeries after I got done. Oh. So my body was done. And um, now I just talk about it on TV and watch a lot of it and uh, do a lot of yoga and walks. And, you know, <laughs> I'd be like in my head, I'm like, I did the athletic thing. Now I'm just going to like do a little yoga, a little Pilates. <laughs> so, but um, actually this weekend, folks are listening to this at the big 12 women's tournament, Brenda Van Langen put together media madness so at halftime okay. of the big 12 women's basketball semifinals a bunch of the kansas city sports media folks are uh doing a shooting competition and so i'm coming out of retirement for that it's going to be ugly um and it, it's myself harold coons at fox four yeah. and yep and katie from wibw uh she's a sports reporter there she's going to be on my team so temporarily coming out of retirement and then we'll go right back into it so, so with your perspective, I'm curious, Marlia, uh, have you taken any interest in uh, whether it be anything from coaching to color commentary or anything like that? I mean, you come from a unique angle compared to most local sports reporters and anchors, considering you were in the locker room that you you played at, at a high level. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to get into color maybe someday or, you know, a little play by play and, and that kind of thing. That's a, uh, an area I haven't dipped my toe into yet. Um, but right now, honestly, I fell in love with storytelling right away in Topeka. Um, and doing it through sports journalism, is just such an interesting lens because like, as you said, I've been in those locker rooms and I've heard those stories around me and like now trying to find them in other locker rooms, like in teams in the area and stuff. I just think it's such a cool way to like connect people because everyone loves their teams. It's like something everyone talks about, you know, at at the watering hole, at, you know, the office, whatever, throughout the pandemic, it's like something that connected us. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's something I'd like to get into someday, but right now just like telling sports, uh, stories and the stories of the athletes and the coaches in the area is kind of my, my niche. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, you know, you as a storyteller, um, that there's gotta be a, an angle or perspective, maybe some of the questions you may think of that, uh, some of us that didn't play at that level would think of that that were around in those situations. Do you find yourself kind of mm-hmm. relating to some of these athletes you're you're talking to more so? Yeah, I hope so. I hope they get that. Um, you know, I was interviewing Holly Kerskeeter with Kansas uh, for my uh, Our Stories podcast with KCSN, and you know, I asked her the obligatory question about they were picked last in the Big Twelve last year and ended up finishing you know really well. They had the best conference season they'd ever had, and a lot of people are like. Well, what did you think when you know you were picked last and both of us were kind of like I don't even know there were some years where I didn't even know what the preseason conference poll said and if it did we like talked about it in the locker room for five minutes and then you just kind of go okay whatever right. <laughs> so there's those little things but um you know an area that's like really caught my attention and something that's been a big passion project of mine for the last several years now is uh, I wrote my master's thesis in college on title nine Okay. And then when I took the sports director job in Topeka, I was the first woman to hold that position. And the station's been around for like 68 years, 69. Yeah. Um, so I, in the 50th anniversary of Title IX, happened to be while I was sports director, actually right before I left, June 23rd of last summer. And so I did a year-long series called 9 at 50, the Trailblazers of Women's Sports in Kansas, and interviewed, I think it ended up being like 46 different women from um, Hall of Fame coaches, uh, you know, Billie Jean Moore, who coached the first Olympic team in 1976, the first women's basketball team, to high school athletes and, you know, college players and uh, Olympians, shooters, 
tennis, sure. you know, about everything. Um, and just told their stories over the course of a year. And that was a really cool, like rewarding way to kind of bring people along with me. And like, let's right. celebrate Title IX by hearing the stories of the women who got us here. Um, right. So yeah, that's been my kind of like specific niche area of interest has just been sharing the stories right. of women in sports. That's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Uh, Marlena, uh, right there where you're at in Kansas City, Big 12 tournament this week. Uh, that's where I want to start with, uh, with things there. And, you know, it, it's always unique entering the Big 12 tournament of just scenario-wise, Marlea. I, I think about, you know, for years, Kansas has been a, in a situation sometimes where it didn't matter. They already won the Big 12 regular season title. Maybe they already had the Midwest region locked up. But I, I look at the way that things are stacked up with, you know, team a team like Kansas, you know, they they probably need a few more wins to secure that Midwest region. Or K-State has a chance to try to move up that seed line. Same with Texas, Baylor, and these other teams here. Um, and, and even at the, the teams on the outside or bubble teams, everybody, it seems like, has something to play for uh, going into this week, which we usually haven't been able to say uh much at all about this it seems like there's a a a lot on the line going into this week here in Kansas City yeah yeah Jerome Tang said last week every team in the Big 12 is capable of winning an NCAA tournament game and I I agree with that that's nuts you know I think I don't know how often we say this but if we say it a lot I specifically mean that this year this is the best Big 12 we've seen in I mean since I've been alive you know (laughs) like at least since I've been like capable of following basketball um to the point of where I think year by year, you know, usually there's like a maybe the top three, maybe the top four seeds are kind of like duking it out for who's going to go to the championship game. This year, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, there's really not a team. We could have an eight, six championship game. I mean, it's just it's uh, it's going to be really competitive and it's really fun. As you mentioned, a lot of teams still playing for stuff. Hey, you trying to get to Kansas City for the second or for those uh, Sweet 16 Elite Eight rounds. Um, that is, by the way, going to be so much fun to have yeah. there. But uh, yeah, K-State's still got a lot to play for. Really, it, it, this is going to feel like an NCAA tournament, and it's in Kansas City, which is going to be a great time. So yeah, this is this is exciting. Oh, it is. It is. And uh, let's, let's start with the uh, Big 12 regular season champions, the uh, Kansas Jayhawks uh, coming in. And Marlia, th- this team prior to this Texas game was red hot, really turned a corner. Uh, what, what do you think made the difference? What what got this Kansas team through this slump? And what, why do you think they look like one of the best teams in the country right now? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's a couple of things. And one is, you know, they obviously have Jalen Wilson on your team. But uh, the big thing and the big difference between what we've seen on Saturday and what makes this team successful is – when Jalen Wilson is Jalen Wilson, but then you have other guys who are able to contribute and like give Jalen Wilson some space. So on Saturday, a lot of guys were stepping up offensively. Brady Dick had a really rough day. You know, Dwan Harris not scoring a whole lot. Then it's easy for defenses to kind of collapse on Jalen and, you know, take your chances with other guys. When one other guy will step up, and specifically I'll say the X factor is Dwan Harris. When he's able to get aggressive offensively and score, we know he's going to get, you know, close to double digits assists every night. He's going to pull rebounds. Um, he's going to get, you know, two to four steals somewhere in there, but when he can, there's some stat and I, I read it in our show a couple of weeks ago, so I don't know if it holds now, but it's like when Dewan Harris scores more than three points, KU's like almost perfect, if not perfect. <laughs> and Probably. so, uh, yeah, so 
when Dewan can, you know, get stuff going offensively, it, it does a couple of things. One, it's the numbers of, you know, obviously points, but two, it makes people guard him. I think there was a couple, maybe two, three games ago, maybe it was Iowa State, uh, they were guarding him to the 15 foot mark. And so when you do that, that kind of clogs up the lane. If Dewan Harris can hit a couple threes, get two to go, then that forces the, the defense to step out to, you know, 18, 19 feet, get close on him, opens up lanes for other guys. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the difference has been the balance of tech scoring, uh, you know, in the second half of the season. The Texas game, I think the best thing you can do is burn the tape and forget about it and move on. Uh, you know, Self was asked before, are you going to give your guys rest? Are you going to give your starters rest? And his answer was, absolutely not. You know, we still have a lot to play for. Ah, I think Texas had a lot to play for. They had lost two in a row. It's their senior night. You know, they're they're disappointed they didn't win the league. So it makes sense that they got up and KU kind of came out flat. But uh yeah, I, I just put that one in the in the waste basket and move on to Big Twelves. Yeah. Well, and uh once you get past this uh, Big Twelve tournament and head towards the big dance, uh Marlea, I'm I'm gonna be very interested because we haven't seen a national champion get past the round of thirty two in I believe it's been a decade. Isn't uh, that crazy? Yeah, that's, that's wild. This Kansas team, Marley, I, I think has as good a shot to repeat as any team we've talked about in quite some time. But, I mean, we've seen when they've had their rough days, their rough days have been hard this year. Yeah, yeah. You know, they lost 75% of their scoring last from last season. So to be able to even have this conversation shows is a testament to Bill Self's ability to build rosters and to reload every single year. But uh, you know that last year national championship team, the the game that reminded me of the Texas game for this year's group was that TCU game uh, at TCU last year. They played terrible. And it was around this time of year. It might have been a little bit earlier. But that was kind of the fuel they needed to go, yikes, not, you know, we can't, we're not going to beat everybody just by showing up. You know, we need, we need to play to the best of our ability to have hits every single night. And um, they referenced that game actually kind of a lot throughout the postseason about how Played terrible at TCU that kind of snapped us back into shape. And then, you know, we were able to coast for the rest of the season. So it's kind of putting lipstick on a pig by saying, you know, this Texas game, I mean, they needed it because it's going to get them, you know, heading, you know, I don't know, having more momentum heading into the postseason. But um, yeah, I, I think they do have a chance to repeat. And it's again, a testament to Bill Self's uh, ridiculous ability to every year. It's been so many years now yes. where you go, well, they don't, you know, this year, I think the conversation was, ah, oh, you don't really have a true five. Uh, and he figures it out anyway. So, yeah, fun to watch. Uh, let me ask you about uh, K-State, the other team uh, you covered in the Big 12 Conference there. Uh, Jerome Tang, one of the most impressive coaching jobs I've ever seen, period. And you look at that K-State team and, and what they possess, I, I, I'm looking at that team, Marlia. They could make a, a deep run here. They could very well win the Big 12 tournament this week and then head into uh, next week with a lot of momentum here. Yeah, they have just as good a chance as anyone, which is crazy if you think about this time last year in the postseason when, you know, what did they have, two guys returning? And, it, you know, their drum tank's coming in. He's building his roster almost from scratch to where we are right now is just is really impressive. And I, it's not just what drum tank has done <clears throat> with the team's success on the court. It's what he's done with the culture of K-State. I think there's a lot of buy-in in Manhattan right now, so it's a really exciting time to be a K-State fan. But um, yeah, to me, the key to K-State down the road here, down the stretch, is its turnover problem. I think Saturday, when they have 20 against West Virginia, I mean, it was something really, really high. And in that five-game stretch where they lost four out of five a couple weeks ago, 
they were averaging 17 turnovers a game, which is tough to beat anybody. So I think the magic number is 11, specifically 11. And Jerome Tang is throwing out that number as well. If K-State can keep their turnovers in check, they're going to be a tough out in March. There's not a lot of teams that can take care of K-State when they're not giving away buckets in transition, points off turnovers, live ball turnovers. Uh, that's kind of their their Achilles heel, I guess, heading into the postseason. Yeah, and, you know, Johnson has been so terrific uh, throughout the season. I mean, uh, you know, everybody talks about Jalen Wilson, rightfully so, but uh, the, the Johnson kid from, from K-State, Marlea, I mean, when he's – when he's on, I, I think he's as good as any player in the league. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I was watching the uh, West Virginia-K-State game on Saturday, and if, I think if you covered the scoreboard, you would have thought K-State was winning by a lot because it was like a highlight reel. I mean, they're dunking on every possession. It's a fun group to watch, and, and obviously Keontae Johnson is the key to that. Marquise yeah. Noel, a lot of fun to watch as well. Sets up Keontae right. in a lot of ways. They have a really good balance attack on offense. Uh, and they're just kind of a running gun, fun team to fun team to watch. And those are the best teams, I think, in March to have a chance to, you know, ride that ride that current all the way to, you know, big rounds. Oh, yeah. Um, besides Kansas and Kansas State, who do you think is the next team to watch that could uh, ultimately win this Big 12 tournament? Is it Texas? Is it Baylor? TCU? Iowa State? There's there's a number of directions you could go. Who do you like uh, to be the, uh, the biggest challenger there outside of uh, Kansas and Kansas State? Yeah, it's funny because I feel like on a given year, that would be a relatively easy question. Well, this year, like so many teams, I might have said Baylor before Saturday. I mean, they looked really bad against Iowa State. And I feel like almost every team in the Big 12 has had one of those games this year where you're like, oh, yikes. Um, you know what I mean? I, I got to go Texas. I really do. I know um, they struggled a little bit. They lost to TCU last week. I think they were coming off two straight that they lost. But when Texas is good, they're – they're right up there with Kansas. Uh, obviously, took care of them in Lawrence, and um, yeah. But I have to tell you, I I think this year's Big Twelve tournament is as much of a toss up as you could get uh, in the country right now. And you have the top teams in the country, so uh, I I don't know if you can tell, but I'm very excited for this week. See what yeah. Every game. I mean, every game is going to be. There are no upsets this week. So right. It's a good time. Tell me this, uh, how important do you think it is for, for Kansas or Kansas State to try to get that Midwest Regional? Uh, you know, selfishly, uh, if I was attending, I, I would, I'd much rather go to Vegas personally. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I imagine for the fan bases, that, that would be such a, a huge thing if either one of them can can find a way into that Midwest region there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, to have the mid, to have the home court advantage and, not even just, I think a lot of people think about the fans thing, which is huge. I mean, both KU and now K-State with, you know, the work Jerome Tang has done in terms of getting buy-in and selling out Bramlage and that kind of thing would have the home court advantage. But God, for this time of year, not having to travel, like I can tell you after playing so much, like playing four years of Wyoming in a conference where we traveled all the time, you're just kind of done with it, you know, by March. So being able to be at home, maybe sleep in your own bed, maybe sleep in Kansas City is, is, is huge. And um, obviously if they get the Midwest region, that means their seating is favorable to their matchups as well. Uh, so I think it's huge. And personally, you know, being a Kansas city and I can't think of a more exciting time to be a sports fan here between the Super Bowl, the parade, the big 12 tournament, the regional, and then we have the draft right around the corner. So, uh, to have KU or K-State here for that regional would just be the icing. Yeah. And, uh, the world cup in a couple of years. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the new airport arrives. 
Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot good, a lot of good things going on in, uh, in Kansas City these days and uh, downtown ballpark in the future, too. Uh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, every time we bring up one of the things, I'm like, oh, yeah, we also have that come, you know, the World Cup. Forgot about that. Like, right. It's just crazy how many things are coming here. It is. It is indeed. Uh, a couple more things with you before yeah. we uh, kind of wrap up here, Marlea. Um, You know, I, I look at when uh, you mentioned how deep this conference is and what's at stake here. I mean, it, it's very interesting, Marlea. We could be talking about by the end of this week, Maybe as many as seven teams are in the tournament, maybe nine. I mean, that magic number, uh, some of these lower seeds are going to have to get lucky and maybe pull some upsets, but then also need some help of maybe not so many at-larges uh, being given out and need to be given out either. I mean, uh, everybody's I think, is going to be on their toes to see how many of these teams uh, are, are going to make it in here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head with there's so many things out of your control in terms of, yeah, how many – how many conferences get the at large? Um, you know, if I'm one of those quote unquote bubble teams in the back half of the conference or really the back like fourth of the conference, uh, if you can pull off a first and second round upset, I mean, in this league particularly, those are meaningful, meaningful wins. Um, so uh, you talk about motivation for everyone, Kansas K State trying to get those, the Midwest region trying to come to Kansas City for the later rounds, those bottom seeds trying to prove that they deserve a spot. Texas, Baylor, all these teams have shots at winning. So, uh, yeah, it should be should be a good time. And I'm excited for a selection Sunday as well because I'm curious how many teams are going to get in. I think I'm going to go eight. Okay, I'm going to go eight. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a fair number. Uh, that 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 eight uh, seems to be right in the the middle between those uh, that line there. Uh, Outside this tournament, you know, it's it's interesting, Marlea. You have some interesting storylines. Obviously, the Texas Tech situation. Um, then there's the realignment buzz going on with the whole Pac-12 yeah. stuff here. Um, the the action on the court's going to be exciting itself, but some of these other stories are are, are pretty fascinating heading into this week, Marlea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's funny because I feel like maybe in a in a typical year those might have been on the more on the forefront of like what we're talking about, but this league is just so much fun to watch. Like, and there's no, there's not a lot of, um, it's not lopsided at all. We're not talking about like a front half and a back half. It's really just anyone goes, any team goes again. I said, there's no upsets this week. So yeah, lots of interesting storylines to follow. I'm grateful that we're talking so much about uh, the games this week because this is going to be a good, good tournament. Yeah, I think so. Um, Let me ask you here while we got a little bit of time left. Uh, NFL free agency uh, starting next week, and the Chiefs already are making some moves. Uh, Frank Clark, uh, they decided to move on from. Uh, what, what did you make of the decision uh, from the Chiefs to release Frank Clark uh, after he was a part of two Super Bowls there? Yeah, yeah, those are tight. And, you know, we see these – I mean, we don't see things like this every year, but those big departures are always tough, you know, and you think of for what they've done in Kansas City. And and I, I – yeah. But, you know, wishing the best of luck in the future. And I'm curious what Brett Beach is going to do this offseason. Obviously, a really exciting time. And with the draft in Kansas City, uh, I think that makes it doubly exciting. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's one thing I've learned these last couple of years, and it's there's not a lot of need to question what the front office does in Kansas City, which is a good position to be in. Not all fan bases can say that. So, tough to see Frank Clark go. Obviously, a massive piece to bring the Lombardi Trophy to Kansas City twice uh, in the last couple of years, but, um, you know, wishing the best of luck and wish Brett Beach the best of luck and, and finding someone else to take his place here this, this off season. 
Yeah, I would think that he's probably going to be a Ring of Honor player uh, for his yeah. age. I'd agree with that, yeah, yeah. Even though it was only four years. Uh, I mean, they would not have won that first Super Bowl. Pretty probably, good four years, yeah. <laughs> yeah pro- probably yeah. wouldn't have won the second Super Bowl without him either. Uh, you right. know, he was able to do there uh, on that front. Uh, with that said, uh, what, what intrigues you these, uh, these next few weeks with – uh, you know, free agency trades, uh, the draft. I mean, what what are you looking forward to for the Chiefs, and what are you uh, what are you hoping they do to better their roster here? Yeah, I'm looking at a bunch of different things. Um, specifically, I'm curious what's the, what he's going to do with wide receiver room because obviously a lot of moving pieces there, and we're going to get some more answers in the next couple of days. Uh, I love talking about the draft, but we have to get through these next next couple of weeks first to see kind of what we need. Um. But, man, I'm curious, too, what Brett Beach can pull off in the draft this year because last year, uh, in hindsight, was really, I mean, unprecedented how how well that turned out. Four rookies starting in the, in the Super Bowl. That's an NFL record. Really 10, eight, eight to ten guys kind of in the rotation there. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see how the next couple of weeks go. Uh, and I cannot wait for the draft here. That's going to be so fun. Yes, uh, certainly so. Marlea, uh, where can people follow you and uh, see all the uh, great work you're up to? Oh, yeah, thanks. Um, on Twitter is a big one, at MarleaKCTV5. And uh, I'm on Instagram as well, Marlea.Campbell. Awesome. Uh, great stuff. Uh, Marlea, oh, we'll have to do this again. Not have to wait uh, so long. Like, Four years or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Process. But uh, yeah. certainly excited for you. Congrats again. And uh, these uh, next few weeks should be a lot of fun. We'll uh, definitely be Follow along and uh, talk you down the line. Thanks for joining us, Marley. That's great. Thanks, Tyler. Time for Coach Bowles Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, ohecast.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. And you can catch Coach Bowl and the Coach Bowl Knows podcast out uh, every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. And he joins us right now. And Bo is not a happy camper right now, as Bo. You uh, have an announcement to make. Well, I made the announcement on my podcast. This, uh, this was recorded earlier. That will be out on uh, Thursday. I'm a free agent. You're my leaving the O'Connor Advisor Group. No, 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 O'Connor Advisor Group. We're doing great. We love everything. The world is great at O'Connor Advisory Group. We're doing fantastic. You're on a lifetime contract with them. Oh yeah, that's my that's my deal. That's you're not selling your own team. No, I, I'm uh, business-wise, we're doing great. It's a great time to be with us. Obviously, we want to get and work with people this time of year. Taxes are a big deal. We don't do taxes, but we can help certainly help you with some different ideas. If you need help, we get you right, right people. But uh, what you were alluding to is my fandom. And as most people that know me know, I am a lifelong New Orleans Saints fan. I'm from Hammond, Louisiana. I have been a Saints fan since I was a child. I go back to Archie Manning. I'm done. I'm absolutely done. I ordered a couple of these big totes on uh, Amazon on Monday night. They arrive Thursday morning. And I'm packing up all my gear. I'm going to put it in the bottom of my closet. And when Derek Carr is gone and some other things have been handled, I'll be back. But until then, I'm a free agent. And if you want to know more about who I'm going to root for, we're going to do this Bachelor style on my podcast. We're going to eliminate teams each week until I make a final decision on who I'm going to root for this coming season. Mm. Okay. 
that's uh, that's very interesting to see that you've uh, made this decision to go this route. And so, Bo, here's what I, I wonder here. And, and, Tom, feel free to chime on this, too. I mean, until Sean Payton and Drew Brees showed up, the Saints had been a disaster, Bo, for your entire life, okay? Yeah, so I what, lived through Bobby Bear. I lived through the Dome Patrol. Yeah. So why had, now, compared to all those bad years you went through earlier? Because this was a bridge too far. At some point, as a fan, you can no longer blindingly follow. So all those years weren't bridges too far? Look, we, we weren't good for a long time. We had the best defense in the league for a while. We didn't have any offense. Then we go get, you know, things happen. Sean Payton comes back to town, you know, with Drew Brees and the whole thing after Hurricane Katrina. It really brought a lot of pride to the city. I feel like the Saints have turned their back on their fans and those who, and really the city, by signing Derek Carr. And I'm going to, if you want to hear my whole, I'll lay this out on my public coach bonus podcast this week. We go for 30 minutes on this subject and I'll lay it out how I feel personally affronted by this. And I think that every saints fan should, this was the worst option available to new Orleans signing Derek Carr. I'm not a fan of Derek Carr at all. Uh, I know you aren't either. And to give him, Thirty-seven and a half million dollars here. I understand that that Jameis didn't play great the last couple of years, but if you weren't going to go with Jameis, why this guy? Why why not draft a quarterback? Um, yeah, that's pretty much my thought. So here's my thought. I'm going to get into this a little bit. One. They wanted to get a quarterback because they thought they were a quarterback away from winning the division. They think the division's down. The Panthers aren't good. The Falcons aren't good. The Bucks lost Brady, and they're in a rebuild. So the Saints are obviously thinking that we've got a good defense, the top, ten, the top five off defense, really. They've got some skill position players. Put a quarterback they think they think is good. Derek Carr, in this case, put him out there, and it's good enough to win 10 games, the division, and give you a shot in the playoffs. I'll bring up this. Derek Carr is a sub-500 record starting quarterback in nine seasons in the NFL. He's 31. Tell me the quarterback who improved after 31. I'll wait. Okay, now we don't have to wait anymore because you couldn't come up with anybody because there is nobody that got better after age 31. Um, the only thing I heard was someone say Matt Stafford. And I went, look, Matt Stafford was a good quarterback with the with the Lions. Look at some of the numbers he put up there. Derek I mean, Carr, the they won the Super Bowl. He led the league in interceptions. He actually didn't improve. He just played on a better team. Yes. That's all he needed, baby. The other so, thing so – this quarterback's never thrown for 30 touchdowns in a season. Derek's never thrown for 30 touchdowns in a season. He's become a turnover machine. He got benched by the Raiders for two games at the end of the season. Does anyone think this guy's a franchise quarterback? No. And the Saints just gave him a four-year contract. 
The Saints do. The Saints do. Dennis Allen should be fired. Mickey Loomis should be taken up and drawn and quartered in a public yard for this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Look, it's bad enough that four years ago the Saints went and hired Jeff Ireland because Mickey Loomis couldn't draft. And Sean Payton couldn't draft. They went and got someone to do drafts for them. Sean Payton leaves. Jeff Ireland's still making these green. He's done a good job of these draft picks last couple of years. Look at the first round picks the Saints have had. They've been pretty phenomenal. But then you look at, this is Dennis Allen as the head coach. And we're hearing, well, Dennis Allen and Derek Carr were together when Carr was a rookie. Does anybody recall what happened that season? <laughs> Dennis Allen was fired in week four. <laughs> in week four. That is like, that is so, you're so bad to get fired in week four. That's like getting fired on Tuesday at noon. You're just this shitty. We're not going to let you finish the week. I wouldn't hire Dennis Allen to work in a McDonald's. <laughs> I wouldn't let Mickey Loomis take my order at a Burger King. Whopper, 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 whopper. Yeah, whopper, 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 whop your ass on out my goddamn house. <laughs> I'm done with the Saints until things change. And and look, I have been loyal to this franchise. And I gotta wonder, and I think we should all as fans consider this at some point. When is it that we can't follow a team anymore? It's like if you were a Browns fan, was Deshaun Watson too much? I hope so. You know, this is what it is for me. I said it a month and a half ago. I said, if Derek Carr ends up with the Saints, when those rumors started, I'm done. I'm standing by my word. I'm done. I love it. They can get me back by firing all three, Carr, Loomis, and Allen, or go 0-17 next year because even the Saints can't mess up Kalen Williams. Let, one more thing. And they the Saints. Put those three out the building anyway if they go 0 17. So, one more thing in the Saints, and then we'll move on here. Yeah. Uh, Bo, how much of these Saints going this direction and falling apart like they've had and some of the missteps they've had in the organization have to do with Tom Benson not being around anymore? A lot. A lot. I think when, and, and you know, we've always, down there, we've always called him Mr. Benson because he's just kind of the OG and he was a really a big reason why the New Orleans, the city in the area have kind of a rebirth in a way with the Saints. I think had his children taken up taken over this team, they'd be in a better place. But I don't know, I don't know the story, but he was remarried. He changed his will to leave his team to his new wife. Um, they were together for quite some time, but it's not his kid's mother. There was a lawsuit, a lot going on there. She doesn't appear to really care much about winning. She cares to appear appears to care more about just keep those NFL checks coming in. Right. That plays a big part into it for me. I, I do think that's a big part. I think that with Mr. Benson gone, I think that's a big reason the Saints have gone this direction. I think if Tom Benson were still alive. I think you would have seen the Saints organization take care of Sean Payton. I think they would have fought harder for him during uh, the suspension a couple of years ago. 
I think there's a lot that would have happened that Tom Benson wouldn't have put up with. And I don't think the Saints would be where they are today with them, with him at the helm. So maybe the next step is the uh, the ownership needs to change too. Can anyone loan me about two or three billion dollars, and I can become the majority owner of the Saints? I promise to keep the team in New Orleans. I heard they were going to sell to your guy uh, Elon. <laughs> your guy, Elon. Your your, your guy. Oh, no. Elon. Yeah, he was going to buy the team with a doge. Hey, you know what's funny is the Elon Mustang. You know, it's Daniel Snyder's now not selling his team to Jeff Bezos. All right, you know it's funny. I'm not a, you know me. I'm not. I'm an anti Elon Musk guy anyway. So so good for him. What what, what else can he afford to buy and mess up? He already messed up Twitter. Um, let's uh, talk Lamar now. It looks like collusion. We can't prove it officially <laughs> at this point. Um, but what in the hell is going on here? What what is the the end game in all this? Does Lamar still end up back in Baltimore, or is somebody going to pony up the money to give an offer that uh, the the Ravens can't match? I think you're a little more on the inside what's going to happen here with Lamar. I don't have a good op- good idea. I think if it walks like a duck, it sounds like a duck, it's a duck. And I think there's going to be some major collusion. I think it's unspoken. And what I mean by that, I think you're probably going to be talking about this at some point, is that these owners are really upset in the NFL with what the Browns did with giving Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract, especially with so many young quarterbacks coming due for new deals. That includes Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. These are all people that the argument is really simple. Their agent, and I know Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent, but can walk in really easily and say, we want what he's got. We actually want more because unlike Deshaun Watson, we're better. I mean, you have Burrow went to a, to a Super Bowl. Herbert's breaking won a rookie of the year. Lamar Jackson's been an MVP. And all three of those examples, you can put their face on the advertising. You can put their face on the bulletin boards, on the billboards on the highway to say, get your season tickets here. You can't do that with Deshaun Watson. And now there's a precedent set. Now the owners keep saying it's an outlier. We, we, it, that's the verbiage they're all using. It's an outlier. It was a special situation. If they're all saying the same verbiage, that means they all agree. They're trying to fight this not just because of Lamar Jackson, but because of each of these young quarterbacks coming as well. Right. And that includes the guys, not just the three that are coming up soon, but it's going to also include the guys in this next draft yeah. in three and four years. It, it, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's a duck. This is collusion. It's not going to be provable because there's going to be no smoking gun, but there's an understanding between these co- between these teams. But it's only going to take one owner to come in and realize that you can make this deal with Lamar Jackson 
you can go in and say, we'll give you 250 for five, fully guaranteed. And here's the best part where the Ravens might have messed up. By making him the non-exclusive, they pay Lamar less. He doesn't have to sign it. He can wait a year and be a free agent. They get nothing. Or if Lamar signs an offer sheet somewhere, anywhere, the Ravens either have to match it, but you know Lamar's just saying, give me the guaranteed money. They're not that far away on money. It's the guarantees. Right. And then you're getting the franchise quarterback, a new team is, for two first-round picks. What did Deshaun Watson cost? He was three. Right. You get a better quarterback for a lesser price. Right. As a New Orleans Saints fan, I'm sitting there going, hey, you're sitting there holding pick 28 in this next draft. i trade that in next year's one to get Lamar Jackson. I don't think there was a coincidence that Derek Carr signed a day before Lamar Jackson was franchise tag. Yeah. I think you're right about that. And so with that said of this Lamar Jackson situation of only just requiring one team, do you think, you know, the, the Ravens didn't want to give up that guaranteed money. I feel like the Ravens are sitting there, Bo, and saying, we've negotiated with you. We haven't gotten a deal done. We're going to make the other teams negotiate for us. Yeah, if, they are. If the Ravens really want Lamar, then they're like, okay, well, we can pay this if we have to. Yeah. If they don't, if they if there's an offer sheet comes out there and they like it, then like, oh, we're fine. We'll match whatever. It, it's it's basically stepping away from the negotiating table, right? It's letting someone else do the the the, the work for them. I agree with that. Yes, they're totally having someone else set the line for them. They don't want to look like the bad guys to the other owners. But if someone comes along and offers it, you're not getting compensated, and Lamar has to sign that franchise tender. Nothing says he has to do it. That's what Lamar has on the Ravens now. And if I were Lamar Jackson, there's no way I'd sign that franchise tender. No way. I would say, nope, you're either going to, I'm either getting this money somewhere else or I'm going to be a free agent in 12 months. But you don't get to have me. Not with that offer. And I don't think he's wrong. I, yeah. I don't, I don't think any of these young quarterbacks are wrong. I think the, the, the owners made their bed. They're trying to unring a bell. Right. And it's not going to happen. Quarterbacks are going to cost you forty million a year. Dak Prescott makes forty million dollars. Daniel Jones just signed for forty million. Right. It's going to cost you forty plus million. A former MVP who's twenty seven years old should cost you fifty. Um. So with that said, last thing uh, on this front. Um. You know there was. I imagine some hurt feelings uh, with Lamar, especially since he's doing the negotiations himself with his mom, you know, representing himself here. Um, can this relationship be prepared? Is there any going back between the Ravens and Lamar here, or is this, uh, or is the deed already been done here? I don't know. I, I again, he comes back and gets his money and he gets his deal. You know, it's no harm, no foul. You got all, the, you got everything done. 
Um, that's the hard part of negotiating the thing yourself is that it's why you have an agent because you have an agent because someone's got to walk into the room and go, well, he would probably already have a deal right now if he had an agent. Maybe. I really think that a big part of this has to do more with the owners together trying to unring the bell. Yeah, I really do. I, I don't know. This is just the Ravens. And I think the Ravens are the ones who are having to play hardball here. I, you know, they could also be looking at their team right now going, Hey, we don't have a very good team. And yeah. If we have an MVP like quarterback, how good are we even with that? Right. So if they think two picks can get two number ones can get them some help, why wouldn't they just trade him the last month? Right. I mean, that this seems like I, I don't know. I don't know who's running the Ravens right now, but they're really not thinking co- coherently. Right. Or consistently at all. Um, the other two quarterbacks, uh, Geno Smith and Daniel Jones, uh, get deals on Monday. Daniel Jones gets $40 million for four years. Geno Smith gets three years, $35 million. Uh, Bo, I really like Geno's deal with Seattle, especially since only about half of it's guaranteed. So if, if this year was a fluke, if he is a down year, it doesn't hurt you too much. If you're Seattle, you can kind of get out of this situation. Meanwhile, for the, the Giants... And Danny Dimes getting $40 million. I mean, they're they're going all in on this guy. Uh, I mean, Giants fans not too long ago were laughing at the Cowboys for them paying Dak $40 million. Now they're going to pay Daniel Jones $40 million. I, I, I got a feeling that one is more likely to end poorly than Seattle's situation with Geno Smith. Yeah, so I think both deals are good deals. Look, I know that people are going to say, Daniel Jones, four years at $40 million a year. They've got an out for two years. Um, but that's the cost of doing business now. Quarterbacks cost $40 million. I don't think – I think the Seattle got a better deal on Geno Smith. Um, I think that both are good deals. This is what it costs now to have a quarterback. And I think in the idea with Daniel Jones, you've got a guy who – you know what you have. He's not a star, but he is um, an average middle of the road. He fits our old, that we call the Dak Prescott rule. We used to call it the Tannehill rule, then he was the Dak Prescott rule. Maybe we can move to the Daniel Jones rule, because I think he's in that area. He's in the better half of quarterbacks in this league. So what are you going to do? Are you going to give up on him, not pay him? And then go to the draft and maybe get somebody. I, I don't disagree with what the Giants did. I like what the Giants did. I like what Seattle did better. I think they're both good deals. Yeah. I think this is the cost of doing business now. This is if you don't have a if you don't have the guy, you either got to go find the guy, but when you do have him, you better pay him. All right. And they like Daniel Jones enough to pay him. I'm not saying that they're right or they're wrong, but they like him, and that's good enough. Because Bo. we've seen glimpses of what he can be. Go Bo. ahead, Tom. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. Would, would you rather have Daniel Jones or Derek Carr? No doubt, Daniel Jones. Really? I yes. take Gino. I take Gino over both of them. 
I would take uh, Geno but, Smith too. Geno's Absolutely. an OG. Geno's I an OG. think Derek Carr is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Dan, yeah. would you would you would you pay Danny the money that he's gonna make? Even though I don't I don't know if you've seen like Saquon from what I've understand is not super happy. No, yeah, but they had to know this was gonna happen with the Saquon Barkley thing. I mean, I mean this obviously, obviously they fucked it, it it maybe it wasn't a good fit. And obviously, yeah, Patrick Mahomes makes everything better, but like Kadarius Tony was not welcome in New York City for the Giants. And Kadarius also had a huge run back in the Super Bowl. And so it does it does matter like with the change of scenery. I get that. And obviously Kadarius didn't get the maybe uh, you know. I loved. I like Daniel Jones. I've always been rooting for him since um, Tyler's boy Baker talked shit, and I guess now he's my boy. Plays for my team still in the Rams. But um, with that happened, you know, is it the Giants? Is it? Is it like okay? Another thing here. Here's another thing. Here's another would you rather take Derek Carr out of the decision and put Daniel Jones and and this should be an easy decision in my mind, but I, I'd be in Tyler weighing on this too. Baker Mayfield Browns version. Don't don't consider him as a backup to Stafford at the Rams. Are you taking Baker with a couple good wide receivers not named OBJ? And that drama, and and Baker not in fucking Cleveland to where quarterbacks go to die. Are you taking Baker at half the rate, or are you taking it? Are you taking Daniel Jones at the full rate he just made? I I would to answer your question. I would take Daniel Jones. I I would, I would take Baker over Daniel Jones right now. I would put Baker Mayfield. On my roster, I wanted. I would not put Derek Carr on my roster. I would take Derek, take Daniel Jones. I'm talking about Derek Carr, baby. Baker, Daniel Jones, Baker at the rate that he's making now, or Daniel at the rate he's making now. Who are you taking? Daniel at forty million before I'll take Baker at league minimum. Oh, I'll take Daniel Jones at forty million before I'll take Derek Carr at league minimum. Who's got a harder dick? Not, not, not in that, not in that sense. Before, before I let y'all comment, when I say who's got a harder dick, who's, who's, who's that motherfucker? And and, and Baker, Baker has shown he's that motherfucker a lot of the times. <laughs> not in NFL, he's shown he's a hardball some bitch. So, so you're saying me? I got one, I got one drive. I got to take my team 97 yards. Well, no, you can't say that. No, no, you cannot say that. I'm I taking Baker, Baker over Daniel Jones any day. I've seen it happen. Baker did I'll that. I'll take Daniel Jones over. Derek Carr. I get that. I get that. If you're taking, if you if you're starting the season off, no injuries, no injuries to your offensive line, no no injuries to your wide receivers, 
and and you have a a decent running back. Let's not call the running back Josh Jacobs or Derrick Henry. Let's call the running back middle of the pack. Let's say you have Clyde Allaire, Clyde Allaire Edwards. Your quarterback's either Baker or Daniel, and you've got you've got let's say your your third best wide receiver is Kadarius Tony. Your first best wide receiver is okay. You're you're, let's, you're let's losing you're, me. Just finish this up. I yeah, I'm sorry. Let's give them both Cooper Cup. And then mid tier receiver, and then Kadarius Tony. Okay, are you? Are you? I'm are gonna you make this real easy on you, Tom. You, I would take Daniel Jones with what he's currently got in New York over Baker Mayfield or Derek Carr with Randy Moss on one side and Jerry Rice on the other. <laughs> really? Listen, yes. I hate Baker because of OU. <laughs> If if he if he if Baker Mayfield would have played for Clemson, Alabama, any of these other blue blood motherfuckers, I probably would be like, ah, oh, yeah, I love Baker. But and, and and this is this is my bias. Fuck OU. I I don't want any quarterback from OU or any player from OU doing anywhere near as good if it's not on my team. Now if Baker somehow pulled some crazy Joe Montana shit out of his ass. And led the Rams to the Super Bowl. I'll probably buy a jersey. I'll probably buy a signed shit. I'll, I'll, I'll. Okay, I'll get to the point. And, all right, we don't have all day. It will tell me then, Baker or Daniel Jones. Well, both Bo said Daniel Jones. I'll take Baker. Look, really? I would Daniel Jones again. Like I said, I take him. You can take Baker with Jerry Rice and and, and Randy Moss, and I'll still. Take Daniel Jones. I don't Man. like Baker Mayfield as a pro quarterback. He's been bad. I don't think Derek Carr is any good. Look, I'm looking at the track records. Would, would you take at Baker at his current contract, or would you take Derek Carr? Would you still he be a same man? He said he with take, Baker. He said he would take uh, Daniel Jones earlier. Let me ask you about Jimmy no. G. Enough of this. Whoa, 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 whoa. One more question. No, no, not not. No, one no, more no. Question. One more, one more question. You don't like Derek Carr? Would you take Baker at his current contract over Derek Carr and the Saints? Would you still be a Saints fan? I would keep Jameis Winston instead <laughs> of both those guys. Oh my goodness! Hey, I, I would take Jameis Winston right now over both of those guys, and that would have been a shitload cheaper. Been a lot cheaper. Would, yeah, uh, I had a better quarterback. Let's let's get to Jimmy G. Um, oh, yeah. He is the next quarterback domino to fall besides draft quarterbacks. Um, and, and obviously there's the Aaron Rodgers thing, of course, too. But uh, of guys you can sign, he's the next one. Um, the Jimmy G thing, Bo, it's interesting because if you're a team that's a if you're like the Jets, for example, and you believe you're a quarterback away, Jimmy G or draft a quarterback? If you're the Raiders, you think you're a quarterback away, Jimmy G or draft a quarterback? What are you doing? Are you spending? I don't think Jimmy G's getting Geno Smith money at $35 million, by any means, but I don't think that 
I, I would guess that he's probably going to be better than what you'll get for most rookie quarterbacks performance-wise next year. What would you roll with if you're a team that believes you're a quarterback away? Pay Jimmy G or go ahead and still draft a rookie quarterback? All right. I'm, I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo guy. I Situations are going to dictate it. If I was the Raiders, as the example you brought up, you've got a good running back. You've got a couple of really nice pieces in the offense with Waller and Devontae Adams. Which quarterback could you get is the question. I mean, that's the problem is that they don't draft high enough to get Young or Stroud or Lavis or now Richardson who's going up the charts. You'd be stuck with Hendon Hooker, who's not ready. Right. He's got the injury, you know, and, and that's someone that I think is going to get drafted on the, in the second round and going to be a brilliant pickup for somebody. Um, it's going to all come down to situation. I think if you think you're a team that is a quarterback away, you must go for Aaron Rodgers right now. Because I don't think there's anybody who is in – who's good enough to get you there available. I don't think Garoppolo is good enough to get you there. I don't think that, I don't think Derek Carr was good enough. I don't think that, so, I mean, it would, but how many what, teams what, what, think what, they're just a quarterback away? We haven't said Brock Purdy, and I hate Brock Purdy, and Jones knows that. What Was this San Francisco team not an injury away from, at least decently competing for the Eagles? I do think that's an anomaly. I mean, I do think that the 49ers were the anomaly in that they how they run their offense is completely different than the other 32 teams, the other like, 31 teams. You think you but, think Purdy will be figured out and be trash? No, I don't know that he's going to be trash. I don't think he's a starting quarterback, is my thing. I think you have well, to go back to Trey Lance. Let's back to Garoppolo. Go back to where Tyler was. All right. So let's look at Garoppolo and, you know, you, you take the Jets, for example, okay? Yeah. The Jets, uh, the Zach Wilson thing was a failure. And it yeah. sounds like they have no desire to draft a quarterback, that they want a veteran. Yeah. If they can't get Rodgers or if Rodgers doesn't want to go and the Packers decide not to trade him, isn't Garoppolo your only choice at this point? It Kirk, might be Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is isn't Kirk, leaving Minnesota. The only way would be is if the if the Vikings were to make were to draft a quarterback and someone would want that. I the the thing I think you bring up a valid point of, and I just wonder how many teams realistically are a quarterback away. Are the Jets a quarterback away? They're a quarterback no. away from the playoffs. Quarterback away. Say it again. Quarterback, I'm sorry. They're a quarterback away from the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. I just, which for a team that hasn't been there since 2010, I think it's a big. That's true. Well, and I think that the Jets would be a great landing spot for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, give the Jets Trevor Lawrence, and and the Jets are in the same place as the Jags, right now. Add Rodgers to the Jets, and they're like the Jags. Don't you say? No, no, no. If you if you give the Jag or you give the Jets Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, but Jets don't have a number one overall pick. That's the thing. That's a different. So, well, I see that, but like they yeah, would be I, places the Jags like first round exit. 
Yeah, I, I don't think that's a comparable thing. I mean, you can, we got to live in reality over here as well, and that who's actually going to be able to be available. <laughs> I think that's what goes back to Tyler's original question: is well, who's I, available? Right. Well, I, I don't mean, and I'm, I'm not trying to insult you, buddy. What I'm saying is that I, I Tyler's question was me. who's available, and he may be right that after Aaron Rodgers, it's Garoppolo, and that's saying a big drop off. And it could be out of their control after. Aaron, Aaron and the Packers might come together and say, you know what? Let's keep it going. No trade. I don't think that's going to happen. Who's, I don't think so either, but, I mean, it could be out of the Jets' control is what I'm saying. It, yes. Who, who's who's, who's going to Josh Rosen, Zach Wilson? Is anybody taking Zach Wilson on a flyer? Why wouldn't you? If you can get him for a fifth or six, a sixth round pick, why not? Yeah, you There's know, like – there. If that, that's what I'm saying. If like, yeah. I don't know where the Jets pick right now. I could. They finish in the middle, so they're not going to have. I know that he's hated in that locker room, um, but I wouldn't be opposed if I'm the Jets to keeping Zach as your backup and giving him another shot if your starter goes down or something. You know. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a young cat. I mean, people look; those make mistakes. When they're that young. They say and do stupid shit. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm i not defending Zach Wilson, but what he's I will not, say He's not getting hand jobs from a, a, a massage person. This man literally bangs hot moms as a Mormon. Like, he's a shitty quarterback, but, like, can you not like him because he bangs MILFs? Well, that's like, not it. It's about his locker room presence and the way that he treated his yeah. team. He, he yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, but you could say the same thing about Russell Wilson. Like, Zach Wilson doesn't have a fucking office. I'm not defending a Mormon. Trust me. Uh, that's the furthest thing from my opinion. <laughs> like, I'll get canceled no for maybe one day. We're not talking about anybody's religion right now. That's, no, that's, I, I, well, I'm, I'm saying that just as, general, just as a general person. That's like, out of bounds. I would not go on The opinions of Tom Bridges are not supported by Coach Ball. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wouldn't take Zach Wilson. But if you can't get Aaron Rodgers back to Bo's point, who the fuck are you going to get? Yeah, and that's what Tyler's question is all about. And that's what Tyler's question is a valid question. Who are you getting? I don't know. It's Jimmy G. That's the answer. That's an unfortunate. How much, though? How much you paying? How much you paying for Jimmy G? It's not going to be Geno Smith money. No. I hope not. I would think it's going to be somewhere between $20 and $35 million. Would that hey, not be a Jets move is, to pay him Geno Smith money, though? Hey, look. Say that again, Tom. Sorry, I cut you off. That'd be a, such a Jets move to pay him Geno Smith money. Uh, Jets organization has been making some very good decisions uh, in this new era. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, and, I, and I'm down with their the defense Jets. Their defense is legit. That, that team is legit. That team is a quarterback away from being a contender. Yeah. Uh, what I will oh, say oh, contender oh yeah and that defense is stellar and they're got guys on the offensive side alright alright one so, more hey, one more before Aaron I Rogers, the fuck up Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets they're a Super Bowl contender yeah, okay. yes. yes they are yes, 
Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Hold on. Absolutely. Aaron Rodgers would be in a better situation with the Jets right now than he is with the Packers right now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Absolutely. I can I can see that. I can see that he needs to change the scenery. I, whoa, whoa, I whoa, whoa, though. Rodgers in a better situation with either the Raiders or the Jets. Yes. Well, Agreed. yeah, because the Devontae Adams, like yes. the Raider the Raiders would be a way better deal for Rodgers right now. Like I don't I don't agree with that. I think the Jets are a better situation because their defense. That's I mean, okay. So their defense is a lot this past that, season. The Raiders' play, defense is atrocious. Right. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. One more, and then I'm done. I'll shut the fuck up. I promise. And this is for Bo. This is Tyler. This is for you too. All right. Make it quick. Thirty seconds. This. This is for you too. Take. Take uh, Jimmy G on the Jets with that defense. And then I want a live or die version of. Jets versus Jags, who wins? Neutral field. Let's call it a neutral field just for – Jets would be a better team. You're asking me who's the better team? The no. Jags are a better team who, than the who's, Jets. Who's winning? Jets or Jags, neutral field, um, fucking Trevor Lawrence and crew on the Jags or – Or Jimmy uh, Garoppolo and the Jets. Jets team I think the Jets with that defense and Jimmy G. I would take better. the Jets. How many points? Oh. Yeah. I guess close. It's close game. game. I mean, close game. Uh, yeah. All right, move on. Let's. Uh, Jones is sick of our shit. Uh, I mean, you, you can't get a question out in, in ten seconds, Tom. If you can't get a question out in ten seconds, then we gotta you, you gotta ask better questions. Uh, Listen, Bo's Bo's the best person I've ever asked in terms of hypotheticals. He's he that's content. Okay. <laughs> Looking at the conference realignment talk that has heated yeah. up the last uh, couple of weeks. Bo, yeah. I know that you follow these TV deals uh, closer than most people. You and I both do. Yeah. Um, it sounds like the Pac-12 has about a month to get this TV situation figured out. And even then, um, it's not guaranteed that the schools are going to like what's being presented in front of them. Uh, yeah. You know, it's twofold, right? It's not only just the money, but the exposure, too. If you are Colorado, if you're the four corner schools, for example, why on earth would you take a TV contract from the Pac-12 that's less money than you can make in the Big 12 and less in exposure, too? Um, to me, it... it it doesn't make sense. It, it the the end is near. That we're we are almost towards Pac-12 midnight here. So the clock is about to hit midnight here on the Pac-12. I tend to agree with you. I heard something this past weekend. I want to point you in the direction of. Are you familiar with Richard Deitch? Yes. Yeah. From okay on his podcast this past weekend, he had on uh, John Wilmer from San Jose, um, uh, San Jose Mercury. Yeah, he's and a total fraud. Yes. But they talked about something that I really liked. And this is something I hadn't thought of. What could happen with the Pac-12 is that they could just go all streaming. But the reason for the all streaming and why they might be the ones who take that leap is because it's talked about how, in particular, the University of Washington and the University of Oregon and Cal all have close relations and Stanford have close relationships 
with Apple and Amazon and how those particular four have such close relationships already, two of them with Amazon and two of them with Apple, that one, it could pit them against it for, for that they wouldn't be able to cooperate, but you get the competition piece. Um, I tend to agree with your with your talk. I mean, you and I have talked a lot about this. I tend to think that yes, the Big Twelve is in a lot, sorry, the Pac twelve is in a lot of trouble. But I did hear that piece, and I thought, hmm, that does seem interesting. If they're going to go the route of all to Apple or all to Amazon, because they've been coordinating with the universities, that tends to make a little bit of sense to me. I don't know if there's any smoke on that fire. Already fired to the smoke. I know there's something there. And that's why they're talking about this, but they're not going to get anything close to the money that the Big 12's gotten, the, 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 uh, the Big 10 and the SEC. So now it does come down to these universities have to make the right decision for their sports programs. And now the Pac-12 has got to say, well, how do we keep – they're trying to keep two uh, different groups happy this Northwestern group of Washington, Oregon, Stanford, and Cal, and what they call the the, the Utah, Colorado, Arizona, the Arizona State thing, what they call the corner states, the corners. Yeah. Trying to keep them all happy. And it seems that the corner states want to be on television. They want the TV rights, and there's more money there with that and streaming. While these other ones in the far reaches of the Northwest are saying – Hey, look, we're already kind of out here. We already realize who we are. Let's just get the most money on the streaming deal done and try to work that relationship for the future. I get that. And so I, I'm kind of curious myself. I hadn't heard it from that that angle yet. What are one your thoughts? Too, on one thing, too, on this, um, we've heard that Oregon and Washington are trying to push for un- equal revenue distribution that they want a bigger chunk of the pie than everyone else. Yes. And yes. Florida state and Clemson and Miami are pushing for the same thing. The ACC. Um, have we not learned any lessons prior? The reason why the big 12 almost died was because of unequal revenue that Texas yeah. was taking that chased out Nebraska, A&M, yeah. Colorado, Mizzou and all that. If you're going to go that route, I mean, you're about to self-destruct. I mean, that that is a a ticking time bomb. You cannot make everybody happy with unequal rev. Well, the, and those those teams are not thinking about equal. They don't care. They're saying they think about these these teams all have in common. Oregon and Washington, and then you said Florida State, Miami, Clemson. They're just using this as a as a bargaining chip. The three schools in the southeast are saying, hey, you either give us more of this revenue. Oh, we can really easily jump over to the SEC. The SEC take all three of them. Oregon and Washington are thinking the same thing. They're saying, hey, either give us more or we're going to the Big Ten. And if you look back when like the Longhorn Network happened and Texas got more revenue than everybody else in the Big 12, Texas didn't give a fuck about the rest of the league. Rest of the league. They didn't care about anybody else. They were for them. That's why, and it did. You're right; it doesn't work. But if the check's big enough, Oregon and Washington aren't going to care. Clemson, Miami, and Florida State aren't going to care. 
right? The bigger check is the thing. So what do you got to do? You got to have some negotiating power. You got to have something that when you walk in, you go, well, give us what we want or we can go do this. And what do you have to ask? We got to ask for more of a share. You know, that's that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get the best deal possible. Well, and, and there's one interesting element in all this. We'll, we'll kind of wrap up on this, Bo, that I find yeah. fascinating is, you know, the Pac-12 grant of rights uh, is up at the same time as this TV deal. So yeah. anyone can leave without paying a single penny in an exit fee. Yeah. That's right. The ACC has a long grant of rights thing. You're yeah. looking at paying, I think, around at least $120 million if you're trying to leave the ACC. That yeah. can be negotiated – you know, they could go legalese and all that. But but nonetheless here, um, if you're one of these Pac-12 schools, Bo, you're like an unrestricted free agent, right? You can you can join the Big 12 tomorrow or you can join the Big 10 tomorrow, whatever it may be, and not have to pay a fee to leave. But yeah. if you're an ACC team trying to leave and you're, negoti- you're trying to negotiate the unequal rev and all that and trying to pay the buyout and you get this long-term deal – you're kind of like a restricted free agent of sorts, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, you, you kind of made a good comparison there. It, it is that way. The, the, the Pac-12 has totally screwed this thing up. They got They're 10 unrestricted free agents right now. Yeah. And they got eight schools that could go different places. And Oregon State and Washington State yeah. are the veterans that are on minimum deals that no one else wants. Yeah, and it's just going to be bad. I mean, it's. The, the, the Pac-12 is in trouble, and the only thing that's going to work is if one of these streaming companies comes in and saves them. That's all it can be at this point. Um, and that's not necessarily the best idea for those universities. Right. The athletic department. So I, I don't know. I, I look at it, I tend to agree with your comparison and say, yeah, these it, it's restricted free agency in these three southeastern uh, part of the country schools in the far west in the Pac-12. It's unrestricted free agency because the granting of the rights <laughs> when the when the Pac-12 set this up, they were they're sitting here juggling chainsaws right now trying to figure out what to do and just praying they get them all back down on the ground without anybody getting hurt. It's going to be amazing to see if they pull this off. If they pull something off, it will be an amazing get. But I don't think it's going to happen. Well, and uh, Oklahoma and Texas, I know people point to the TV contract. The Granite Rights that they signed, they were in a 99-year Granite Rights with the Big 12. And their exit fee was going to be over $100 million, and they got out paying $50 million. Um, we talked about the Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson stuff with the NFL earlier. Um, OU in Texas might have just done a big favor for some of those ACC schools with what they did of potentially setting precedent and trying to get out of these schools here. Yeah, you, you got to think if you're Miami, if you're Florida State, you got to think, hey, we can come up with that money. I don't know that Clemson can come up with that money. I don't know if they're in the same financial factors, especially with Miami. But, yeah, it, I mean, the thing that does help, that would help Clemson, would be you know money from ESPN, money from the SEC. The SEC will find a way if they really want them. But, yeah, I agree that 
Miami and Florida State are definitely looking at what OU and Texas just did to get in a year early and are going, hmm, now we know the cost of cost of doing business. A lot right. cheaper than we thought, too. Yep. And so I think that's a real possibility. And I think from Miami, like if I'm one of those schools, the Miami is the one I think needs to go. Miami needs to think about how they can get in the SEC right now. And it's because they're hot across the board in all sports. I think Miami and Florida State in particular both ought to weigh their options for the Big Ten, too. Yeah, I, I think Miami. I don't disagree because the money's right. The money will be right. I think the Big Ten's issue, bringing in more money than the SEC right now, and Miami would be a natural academic fit in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think the big thing is I don't. I, I think there's you know again the money's so big you can afford the okay we got to get the golf team from Tallahassee to Rutgers, or the golf team's got to go from go out to USC and play and vice right. versa. But I, I think also. In the South, you know, the SEC in the South, it's just different. Like, you know, it just means more. <laughs> um, and I think that Florida State and Miami, and I think Clemson to a certain extent as well, I think they're fits for the culture of the SEC, not just the geographic itself. Yeah. Bo, uh, what's on the uh, podcast this week? Well, we uh, start The Bachelor. The uh, coach Bo is a free agent. Um, I'm not a bachelor. I'm a free agent. There is a difference. Uh, I'm not. My <laughs> wife is not doing fine. Uh, she's been a princess through this. She's been the queen. She. It was amazing how how mad I was on Monday. Is she uh, she called me down. She going with you? What's that? Is uh, is your wife staying a Saints fan? Or is she going with you? Nope. Nope. She's a free agent until you get both of us in the deal. Okay. Do you get I think she's going to the. I think she's going to like a combo of the Bengals and the Chiefs. Well, do you get P money in this deal too? No, P money's his own thing. He he does his own thing. Okay, because he doesn't actually own any Saints gear. I don't think. I think he has a jersey. It's about it. But yeah, I I literally two big tubs of stuff all getting put away. It's a shame. That's funny. It, it's almost like the guy had that boys the men in the background. It's so hard to oh, yeah. say goodbye. <laughs> Uh, we're doing that on the podcast. We're talking about um, – He don't know about that, boys, the men. <laughs> I do know about that. That's that's my no, generation. Jones don't. Jones don't know about that, you know. He don't know about that, boys, the men. That, 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 make you, that, makes, that makes my generation cry every time you hear it. The road. And I – yeah, his – Joe, uh, fucking Bo's down in New Orleans, and I can't let you go. It's unnatural. Oh, to me. Have a good weekend, and I'll uh, we'll talk you to you next week. Hey, thank you, thank you, Tyler. Tom, I love you, buddy. <laughs> Listen, I, I wish you could have been here. I did have free. Speaking of boys and men, I did have free tickets. To boys to men, and I tried to give them to a guy that hooked me up with a DJ gig, and he was a bar manager and could not go because of the COVID. Oh, well, you know. Well, but like next time. Thanks, Bo. We'll see you next Boys to men, that's the sugar daddy hall of fame right there. So we're gonna we're gonna Jones will eventually know. <laughs> Final segment before we go. It's time for our Tom Fulbury story of the week. 
Thomas Bridges joins us right now. Tom, uh, we're going to head back to the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City for this week's story. Jones, we are, and we're, uh, you know, we, we talk about food every so often, and we're going to talk about food right now. Um, and like you said, the Big 12 tournament's going on right now. And, you know, they, you know, Big 12 tournament in Kansas City has kind of said, hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and do a, I, 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 I guess at this point, a theme for each school in the Big 12 tournament, which would include all of them, but they've picked somebody or they've picked some food item. And, and Jones, we are here to break it down today. Did they get it right? Let's I go one by one. My, in alphabetical order. That's my main thing, right? Did they get it right with the food? So, to start it out, we will... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll knock it out. And Brett Yormack was, I guess, maybe the main, I wouldn't call him genius at this point because I don't think he got the food things right. But <laughs> he was the mastermind behind this, I guess, somewhat. Okay. Hashtag Big 12 Eats at the T-Mobile Center, better known as the Sprint Center in Kansas City. Foodie focus, baby. We'll start off with Baylor. Um, Baylor got the Baylor float, which was vanilla ice cream and Dr. Pepper. Jones, to me, that makes sense. Dr. Pepper, Waco, they got the Dr. Pepper Museum, I believe, there. Yeah. That makes sense. So, there's a few cease and desists that we're going to deliver on uh, this, I'm sure. And this one, Tom, I'll deliver on behalf of friend of the show, David Starr. Um, because the second time I ever had a meal with David Starr, we were at the Olive Garden and I didn't see ice cream and I didn't even see Dr. Pepper on the menu. And David Starr said, Hey, can you guys get me some ice cream and some Dr. Pepper and make a Dr. Pepper float? I didn't even know a Dr. Pepper float was a thing. And David Starr showed me that day that it was a thing and had it specially made for him at the Olive Garden. So the Baylor float, uh, I think that's the David Starr float, uh, Tom. Was that in Dallas or was that in? That was in Kansas City. He was racing at Kansas Speedway. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. So, that one kind of could, could be sus. Now, David is from Houston. He lives in Dallas. Um, but he has no connections to Baylor. I think that's uh, – I, I think we, we – that's not the Baylor float. In my in my so, book, that's the day. So the only the only reason they have any claim to that is because the Dr Pepper Museum is in Waco, right? Uh, Iowa State, Kaiser Bun, Kaiser Bun, breaded pork tenderloin sounds delicious. This this actually sounds fire. It's called the Cyclones Tenderloin. There's only there's there's one thing on this menu. Well. Two things. This would be third, but this is would also be very good in terms of what I would order first. Kaiser bun, breaded pork, tenderloin, sliced onion, sweet and spicy pickles. Sounds delicious. You add a nice mustard or a nice like a, a chipotle or a, like a like a comeback sauce. Sign me up. This sounds delicious. Uh. This 
I, I don't know how this relates to Iowa State, to be honest. I, yeah, I, maybe I don't know that good. much about them. It sounds good, but what's missing here is how do you talk about Iowa State and not have Casey's Pizza or Bush Light involved? Or just corn. Or corn. Right? And, and, and that was we'll good, but this later. one just hit, misses the mark. We'll get to that later. You know, next up is KU, Jayhawks Mac and Cheese, which... And this is our second of, cease and desist that we have to deliver. Friends of 23rd Street Brewing, you are uh, a connoisseur slash... I, 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 you're a connoisseur slash patron of 23rd Street Brewing. You call the Jayhawks Mac and Cheese, and the Jayhawks Mac and Cheese includes pasta, creamy white cheese sauce topped with house smoked pulled pork, which sounds delicious. Levy signature barbecue sauce and crispy fried onions. That all sounds good, but who did it first? That would be Twenty Third Street Brewery and their Bill Self Mac and Cheese, which is the mac and cheese with the buffalo chicken. And it's so good to make your tongue slap your brains out. Um, you know, that that's where that came from. This Jayhawks mac and cheese sounds good, but that's not Bill Self mac and cheese. I got to deliver a cease and desist here, Tom. I mean, no, no I, I get that. And, and, and the pulled pork does, you know, the pulled pork does it justice. It's not the buffalo mac and cheese, but. 23rd Street Brewing did it first, and so without giving them a nod, um, it's fraud, right? All right. Next up, K-State's Wabash Cannon Dog. This also sounds a little fire. Bacon-wrapped jumbo hot dog. That sounds like a game day meal. This sounds like more concession than the rest of them. Top with Wildcat Purple Relish. Is that okay? Uh, did they die? So, so far, this is the best name because we know about the Washbaugh Cannonball, their their song. So the Cannon Dog. Okay, I get that. But a hot dog? That's what we're going with there. I mean, like when I think K State, I think varsity and donuts. No donuts. Yeah, varsity donuts, or you could get the the the. You could even pull from the Crunchwrap Supreme that is. Normally Taco Bell, but it's filled with mac and cheese. You could go a lot of different routes with okay. that, right? And and then eventually we'll get to Oklahoma State. But Dirty Curdy is is the main Big Twelve hot dog. I feel like, and I think they that could have been better. Next though on the list is Storming from Norman, Oklahoma Taco. Just call it the goddamn Indian Taco. <laughs> You know, like, don't make it, don't, don't invent names for shit. This is cultural Fry, appropriation. Another season to sit. Fry bread topped with ground beef, shredded relish, chopped tomato, beans, this is sin, onions, and chili. That's, That's an, an Indian, Indian taco. taco. Don't, yeah, don't call Stormin' from Norman. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. That's an Indian taco. <laughs> like, if you do fry bread, don't, don't. Don't make it that complicated. Everybody loves Indian tacos. Like, everybody loves fry bread. It's literally a funnel cake without the sugar on it. And you're adding in every other delicious thing. 
Like, don't don't make it that complicated. Can you imagine, Tom, if you go to order and uh, you see somebody walking around with it and you're like, yeah, I, I, I want to do that Indian taco that guy's got. Is the cashier no one's calling gonna be, it Stormin' from Norman. Is the cashier going to be like, what are you talking about? Oh, you mean the Stormin' from Norman, Oklahoma taco? No, I mean the Indian taco. Like, <laughs> shut up. Like... Like, no, there's no, you know, if, you, if if fry bread's involved and it's not topped in powdered sugar, that is an Indian taco. All right. Okay. Let's go to Stillwater now. Pistol Pete's OSU fried corn. This doesn't make sense. A low taste style bacon fried corn topped with crushed Doritos. Sounds delicious. Probably would be delicious. A lote in OSU. This doesn't make any sense. This, this, this doesn't make any sense. Like, if you're going to do an OSU-inspired thing as an OSU ambassador, the obvious choice, there's two obvious choices here, and they, they failed on both of these. No one does corn. No one does the corn. No one, no one, no one's doing corn. Right, that should have been it, Iowa State. It, it's loaded cheese fries from Eskimo Joe's. Or, or, if it's not loaded cheese fries from Eskimo Joe's, if it's not that, if it's not that, you could do a multitude of different things after that. Normally, if it wasn't loaded cheese fries from Eskimo Joe's, what would you say? You would probably say Dirty Curdy, which would take the place of K-State in being the loaded Coney cheese dog, like the loaded Coney, the loaded hot dog, the loaded it's it, it's it's the pride and joy of of drunk strip Oklahoma State, right? Like if you're not gonna do the loaded cheese fries with the Eskimo Joe's Ranch, the next obvious choice is the Dirty Curdy. Okay, they didn't. Do it. I I've I've never had a lote in Stillwater, never. Oh, Texas now. No, no, no. TCU. TCU loaded tots. This sounds amazing. Oh, we haven't gotten <laughs> Texas or Texas Tech yet. No, oh, well, that'll be those. Those are the next two. Okay. TCU loaded tots, tater tots, spicy queso sauce, chopped house smoked brisket, pico de gallo, topped with horn frogs, purple sour cream. That sounds top notch that sounds that, really good like that that's that's one of the best right why don't we do more with tater tots tom i feel like tater tots should be utilized more like this why don't we see more loaded tots i you know sonic loves to do it but it's sonic is a little overrated but tcu this is a, this is a great one this is a great one you got the brisket for texas pico de gallo nod to the tex-mex you got the purple sour cream that's obviously just died and the spicy queso this is also a nod to Tex-Mex. This this one fits. This one fits. This one works. We we move on to Texas. Longhorn quesadilla. This is where it does not work for me. Because they steal the tortilla from another they steal the tortilla from another Big 12 school that should be the Tortilla School. 
They make it a quesadilla, triple cheese quesadilla, steak or chicken with burnt orange salsa rojo sauce. Okay. Still sounds delicious. I'd still order it. But it should be Texas Longhorn. You got to go more like a barbecue or some something different than damn quesadilla. You, you got to go more weird for Austin, Texas. And they didn't. They they no, chose no the no, t- no Tito's involved. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they, they chose something that shouldn't have been. And that brings us to Texas Tech, which should have had the tortilla thing. They should have made they should have made Tex Tex the quesadilla burger. Instead, it's called Tex Mask Rider Burger, all beef patty, cheddar, fried onion rings, sweet pickled jalapenos and Red Raiders barbecue sauce. That does also sound delicious, but you can't get away from Texas Tech being the tortilla school here. Like you can't just give that to Texas and not give it to Tech. That doesn't make any sense. But Tex does sound absolutely delicious. And then the last school would be West Virginia. This fits almost maybe the best other than, other than I don't know, the Jayhawks mac and cheese because they stole it from 23rd Street Brewing. West Virginia, they are known for their essentially what's called what you and I know as a as a pizza roll. West Virginia, that's their go-to. Like OSU's is the loaded cheese fries from Eskimo Joe's. There is one main place in Morgantown that is the pizza roll joint. And there's a sliced pepperoni and mozzarella cheese in a soft roll. Okay. And that makes perfect sense. You know, it's nothing crazy. It's uh, always good. And I don't know anything else that could uh, be as good as the West Virginia Mountain Roll um, with sliced pepperoni and mozzarella cheese in a soft roll. And then Uh, uh, there's the Big 12 dog uh, with toppings representing uh, every Big 12 school's colors. Is that, you know, just, a I guess, a... Uh, a general thing, I guess. Yeah, it's a 12-inch hot dog with toppings that represent every Big 12 school. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of options here. Um, I, I would say, I think I, I'm with you, the, the TCU loaded tots, the West Virginia Mountaineer roll, um, you know, those sound like the most – accurate and appealing options here. I'll never say no to an Indian taco, but damn it, that's an Indian taco. That's not the Stormin' and Norman Oklahoma taco. Right, yeah, that's a sin. Like like you can't you can't cultural appropriate the the Indian taco. Oh, that's good. Uh we gotta run. Big thanks to uh Marlea Campbell for joining us, Coach Bo uh you the listener for stopping by as well subscribe to the show new episodes out each and every week apple spotify google Podcasts, and youtube uh we got a really fun next few weeks and we're gonna be at the final four uh here in a few weeks as well so look forward to that i'll be down there tj reeves will be down there i'll be working with tune in radio so uh enjoy the road to the final four with us here on the jones report so uh stay tuned for that as always, uh, follow us on social media, Twitter, uh, at Tyler Jones Live, as well as Facebook and Instagram. 
uh, Thomas underscore Bridges on uh, Twitter, Instant Thomas on Instagram, and uh, Jones underscore underscore Report on uh, Instagram, uh, and uh, Studio Soapbox on uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook. You can find us as well. So uh, check us out there. We certainly would appreciate it. We got to run. Uh, we'll see you right back here next week. Have a, a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time here at the Jones Report. For Thomas Bridges, Coach Bo, Marlea Campbell, our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. It's been another edition of Jones Report. We'll see you next week.